Welcome to Weird Kit Video. I'm Camera Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Weird Kid Video. Old business? Brody and I are both dying. Brody will probably make it through the whole podcast. I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> but I promise to be here for the beginning and the end. Yeah. We'll record if either of one or either one of us dies on pod. Yeah. So there's a record. I can just cut in it like you laughing from other episodes or you just going, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and then nobody will notice that. Nobody I'm will notice. And yeah. you've also got we've watched watched a Brandon Lee um, movie before, so you can just cut, cut in bits cut, of that. cut in a bit true. bits of me going on. I love Brandon Lee. <laughs> That's very true. So true. Or I could do a couple of things near I love Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee's great in this. <laughs> Brandon Lee's fighting skills are way better than everybody else's. <laughs> I love Brandon Lee movies. Brandon Lee is the whole there package. You've go. you got like a whole bunch of them now, so then yeah. you can just sprinkle them through the episode. Yeah. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> Sound bites. I have actual old business. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I have actual old business. So this is going to seem like really old business, but we recorded, well, we released episodes out of order. So we, we recorded Ghost in the Machine before we recorded Tales from the Crypt. For us in this timeline, in our timeline, this was last week, but for the audience, it'll be two weeks ago. I ended up buying some EC Comics. Oh, really? Yeah. How was it? I bought an arch- like a, a trade paperback, like volume one of the EC archives. Yeah. In the one that I bought was the comic of The Man Who Was Death, ah. the first episode of the TV show. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was a pretty close adaptation. I mean, all the kind of nightlife society is a plague stuff that that niles was spouting yeah is all added but okay. in terms of like the 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 key beats it's a pretty good adaptation okay interesting so was it like a graphic novel or was it like a yeah, it's a comic it's, a, it's like just a little it's, comic it's no it's just it's a trade paperback it's collected right, issues of the right, comic right, right. in a single book right very cool yes okay that's my old business that's it, all i want to say and that sounds very cool. I'm never really got cool into comics. Book. Hey, it is a cool book. You'll like it when you see it. I, I love a good graphic bad. novel, but I'm not a big like comic person. I feel like they're too small. Yeah, you mean issue to issue? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Hmm. Yeah, I tend to buy trade paperbacks. I don't buy individual issues of anything. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you might enjoy that battle. Hmm. News business. Um, it's no. my birthday. Oh, it is your birthday. <laughs> That's right. That's new business because it's current business. It's today's business. It'll yes. be old business by the time that this comes out. That's true. But the day we are recording this, it is my birthday. Mm. It is, in fact. Happy birthday to you, my wife. Thank you. I love Did you it. get anything good? I did. I got three games. Ooh, what games? I got a Switch game and I got a new version of Camel Up and a sort of code breaky investigation one that looks cool. Okay. The, the Initiative. The Initiative. four teenagers in 1994. That's mad. Who discover a secret about the town or something, something and, like what, and yeah. the game have to you have to break the break codes yeah that seems to be we haven't looked We're at it in detail books, yeah. that's such that a sick like idea it. for a game yeah so Fuck yeah it's been good so far aside from it being kira's birthday mm. this week we buddy up agree to do things by the book and then kill the book with fire and honor we are talking about shodan and little tokyo from 1991 for a 
over 400 years, they've developed their own mysterious traditions. For over 400 years, they've had a strict code of honor and unparalleled standards of respect. For over 400 years, they have terrorized the streets of Japan. Now, they want to control the city of Los Angeles. Determined to leave their mark in blood. Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee are ready for a showdown in Little Tokyo. They're two LA cops who are hungry for a little takeout. Dolph Lundgren, Brandon Lee. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Wild movie. I, I there was. I was expecting. I think what we got, but there was more in it than I thought there was going to be. There was more things that I was like, "Whoa!" And also less things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Much less. More of those things, things and less things. Yeah. <laughs> it was a quick movie. It felt like it was over really quick. We will talk about running time. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say it felt it fucking flew by. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really breezy. It moves at a breakneck pace. It does. It does, in fact. Because of their breakneck attitudes. Directed by Mark L. Lester. He started as a documentary guy in the 70s and then made exploitation and B-pitches with titles like Steel Arena, Truck Stop Women. Oh, fuck yeah. And White House Madness. He directed a movie called Stunts. It was New Line Cinema's first movie. Before that, they had been just distributors. So they would buy and sell movies other people had made, but it was the first movie they ever produced. Strong start or no? I don't know. I've never seen it, but okay. I'm interested in it because it's called Stunts. Yeah. And I like nah. stunts. <laughs> yeah. In the 80s, he went on a kind of cult classic trash cinema run with movies like Class of 1984, which is definitely on the list. Firestarter, based on the Stephen King novel. Hey. On which he replaced John Carpenter. Oh. John Carpenter was Whoa. fired from that movie. I would like for you to imagine a world where we got John Carpenter's Firestarter because that movie would fucking rule. Yeah. <laughs> Why did he get fired? Because he's John Carpenter. Oh. He's kind of prickly. Oh, no. Yeah. Carpenter, funnily enough, would return to Firestarter this year by doing the score for the horrendous <laughs> remake. Oh Fantastic. Yeah. Commando. Marco Lester directed oh, Commando, hey. which we watched a few weeks ago. Yeah. It was awesome. definitely on the list. It's a fucking great movie. A John Candy flop called Armed and Dangerous, class of 1999, and this movie. And although this wasn't the end of his career, it is the end of us talking about his work because it gets less and less interesting as it goes on from here. Mm. Except for two interesting titles that I just want to say out loud on the podcast. Yes. They're his last two credits in 2013 and 2014. He directed Poseidon Rex. Okay. As in R-E-X? Yes. <laughs> and Dragons of Camelot. Oh, fuck. Oh, yes. Okay. So that's where he ended up. Both two titles I would have hired as a young child. I wouldn't have. Yeah? Yeah. Nah, I see it's that. It's interesting that I love like this bullshit and I will watch a movie called like Exterminators from the year 3000 that was made in the yeah. 80s. But I, for the life of me, will not watch any of those like mega shark versus you know, 10 octopuses movies. Nah, see, me as a young kid, like, I wouldn't have known exactly what I was getting into. Sure. Yeah. You just would have liked dragons. Yeah, exactly. That's how I, like, stumble upon movies like Rain of Fire. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Rain of Fire, 
for all accounts, should not be as good as it is, but it's fucking awesome. People don't know. People slept on that. <laughs> I, I know. Written by a married couple named Stephen Glatz and Calipi Brattle Street, which is a hell of a name. Wait, wait, wait. This movie had two writers. <laughs> a married couple wrote it. <laughs> Hmm, they must have been doing other things while they were writing it. Well, they have no other writing credits. Uh-huh, right. So I'm not even sure they exist. <laughs> they could just be made up for someone else. No idea what happened to them. Uh, I have a feeling that Mark Lester was involved in the creation of the screenplay, sure. right? And then hired writers to write it. And Yeah, right. Not to denigrate their contribution to the many witty one-liners in this movie. I'm not going to lie. Some of the dialogue is gold, but yeah. I mean, all of the dialogue is gold. <laughs> like 90% of my notes is dialogue from this movie. Yeah, mad, okay. Yeah. Starring Dolph Lundgren as Kenna and Brendan Lee as Murata. Hey, Brendan Lee. I did not. Was that live or did we cut it in? You're <laughs> it's real, um, I'm here. I didn't realize how great their partnership would be, but also this movie doesn't give them much time on their partnership, you know? This movie doesn't give anything much so time. So true, yeah. Yeah, so we covered both of their careers in the Masters of the Universe and Rapid Fire episodes, mm. respectively. So go fucking listen to those episodes if you want to know more about their backgrounds. But to provide kind of career context of where they are, when the, what, yeah. where in the timeline they made this movie. For Lundgren, this movie comes after Masters of the Universe in 87. Dark Angel in 1990. We saw the trailer for that, I Come in Peace. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Remember, you did I Come in Peace. I Come in Peace. Yeah, that one. <laughs> And right before Universal Soldier in 1992. This is the movie he made before Universal uh-huh. Soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme. For Brendan Lee, this is his first American movie. Oh, right, yeah. He had just turned down playing his own father in Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Uh-huh. And then after this, of course, he would make the jump to lead actor with Rapid Fire the Why next, did he the turn next that year. Down? I think it felt a little weird. He said he felt he weird. He would have been sick, though. He would have been great. He also said he felt weird about playing the romance with his own mother. Oh, yeah, fair. Because uh, <laughs> it is very much, that movie is very much a love story in the, for the first, like, hour. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's completely fully fair. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> completely right. Yeah. Cool. He and, should not have made that movie. Yeah. And also, he made a good call. Jason Scott Lee, who does end up playing Bruce Lee in the movie, is great in that role. Yeah. That movie makes some very questionable choices. Have you, ever, you guys ever seen that movie? Nah. I think. So I've, it's on the list. I've been told to watch it a thousand times. It's good and it's accurate in places and then complete bullshit fantasy in others. And yeah, I mean right. actual bullshit fantasy. Right. So it like hems magic. In like they try to literalize the curse. Oh, no. Which mm. is just bullshit. Yes, I have seen this, but yes. Yeah. But I mean, that curse is real. Okay. But not like real, magic real. real. You don't know this. Other cast members <laughs> I'll talk about as they appear. Just quickly, this is another... I recognize every stuntman in this movie. Movie. Thank you, my ball boy with the with the long must uh, chin beard is is there firing a couple of shots. I definitely saw him before a car got turned. Yeah, over. Al Leong is in this movie. Yes, thank you. I was looking for his name in the credits. I didn't see it. He's in the stunt section. He's not in the cast section. Uh, yeah, who we talked about in depth in the rapid fire episode yeah. because they have that amazing fight together. Uh, him and Brendan Lee. The stuntman generally like because obviously they work sort of together. So would sort of stuntmen who have worked with Brandon Lee before be brought with Brandon Lee or do they follow more like directors? Everybody's connected to everybody. So what usually happens is that if 
a actor made a movie and had a particular stunt double, then that stunt double might come with them across different movies, and that stunt double might be part of a team. And then he they bring his he brings his boys, and everybody knows everybody's mm. connected to everybody. So think about it like jobs jobs for mates, right? Yeah. yeah. So some one of them gets hired on it, and then they hire all their friends. Yeah, but on, it's less jobs it. for mates, like but in a in good more, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It's more yeah. like I trust these people. Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing is that yeah, in the stunt world you want to work well with, together. You yeah. want to work with good people, and you want to work with people you know you can trust to not get you hurt yeah that's right. fascinating i've never thought about that like mm. how that all pulls together also i've always noticed that they're like in groups but not necessarily like work because like actors often follow directors so yeah I which, they do, which don't version they? does stuntmen go yeah. also jeff amato who was the fight coordinator of rapid fire and brandon <laughs> lee's childhood friend uh-huh he's a, just a stunt guy in this movie branscombe richmond benitas from taking a beverly hills hey. is in this movie. you guys didn't spot him at all did you no. no. There's frames of him in this movie. Okay, I'll talk about cool. it when we get to it. James Liu, who's in Big Trouble in Little China. A bunch of people from this movie are in Big Trouble in Little China. So those are the those are my Which stunt, was first? Those are my stunt friends. Big Trouble in Little China is the early 80s, bro. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That is, a, that is a fucking quality film. With that hair, Kurt Russell, it's the 80s. Yeah, I knew it was the 80s. Oh, is this not in the 80s? This is 91. Oh, my God. You know how the start of the podcast, I say, what, what year the movie came out? You know how my brain works, Ken? Brody doesn't listen when we speak. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> I take things in, react to it, and then I go... Next. <laughs> he also doesn't listen when he speaks. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's true. Mm. <laughs> Trailers. Trailers. First trailer, Batman Adventure, the ride at Movie World, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Now, the all-time blockbuster movie comes alive. Prepare yourselves for the biggest, most explosive heart-pounding thrill ride in the universe. Batman Adventure, The Ride, opening Christmas at Warner Brothers Movie World, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. I forgot yep. they do this. Hey, yep. yeah. Have you have either of you been on this ride? I rode this ride in 2003. Yeah. yeah. Was it good? Yeah, it was fun. It was a motion simulator ride. I remember it opens where you go into like Bruce Wayne's library and it's actually like actually filled with books and there's a woman who's kind of like giving a tour and then she and then something bad happens and she rushes you into the to to the escape pod and then Batman happens. Uh, so yeah. it's a simulator ride so you're on one of those motion based things yeah. that moves the room around with a screen and it was fun. They updated it a bunch of times and there was a few of them the Gold Coast one was the first one and then they opened it at different Warner Brothers yeah, parks right. all over the world. It was massive though. It closed in 2011. But when it opened, it caused a massive spike in attendance to the to the park. Right. Yeah. I Do you know what it got it. turned into? Don't know actually. No, I don't know what that what they use that building for. Because yeah. usually they like they, re- re- they redress and repurpose, and it just becomes a different version of the same ride. Have you ever been to the parks? Yes. Yeah, I yes. think I have. Yeah, can't remember. We we went to Movie World, didn't we? <laughs> we went to Movie World yeah. and Dream World together. Nice. Yeah, and That's I did cute. I did Dreamworld and went wild when I was a kid. But and I've been a few times. Movie World would be cool. I can't remember it at all, but I think I'd only like went wild. <laughs> <laughs> Water slides because I'm a child. Lethal Weapon Three. Rick homicide. Nobody's dead. Hey, the night's young. This is Sergeant Murtaugh. Threat or scare? It's a real thing. Where's the bomb squad? They're on the way. Bomb squad, huh? Everything's under control. Let's go. Hey, let's go. Roger, I think we ought to check this out. Hey, 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 hey Reese, what? Bomb squad's on the way. There's no bomb in there. 
And you know how come I know there's a bomb in the building? How? Because I got eight days to retirement, and I will not make a stupid mistake. There is no bomb in that building. I will bet vital time to my anatomy to the fact. Now, look. Just, just, just look. Trust me, okay? That's usually my first mistake. Gibson, Danny Glover, in a Silver Pictures production of a Richard Donner film, Lethal Weapon 3. We're back! Yeah, yeah, back. yeah. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah. You think I could get a gun this time? No. Yeah, boy. Yep. This is a fucking great teaser. Basically just a condensed version of the opening scene of the movie. Yeah, I thought it must be. With Riggs and Murtog. Riggs wanting to check out a bomb in a building before the bomb squad gets oh, there. Oh, yeah. And Murtog complaining that he's eight days away from retirement. So, Isn't he always? Yeah. No, only in this movie. <laughs> really? Yes. I cannot remember them very well. I was like, when I heard, I'm only eight days away from retirement, I was like, did these movies happen in like sequence one after the other? Because I swear in the first one, he's he's not far from retirement too. No, he's turning 50 in the first movie. Oh. His birthday is literally one of the opening scenes. Is of the, the first, first one where the... They wrestle because, like, they're in the bath or something like that. He's with his family. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still can't remember what happens in which. Look, they all blew together, man. I don't know how you remember them so individually. Because I've seen them so many times. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because I legitimately love those movies. Yeah, they're good. They're good. How many the times have you works. seen them? You could, should come back. Wait, I mean, they're on the list, right? Yeah. I don't know if we'll get to all of, all of them. But the stunt work in those movies is fucking outstanding. From memory, though, it's like big climactic stunts, not like small. There's chases and chases and stuff that is all really ridiculously impressive. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm keen to revisit. Of course the building blows up. Yeah. (laughs) This was the old city hall, a real building in Orlando, Florida that was being demolished anyway. And the film was allowed to add their own fire cannons and fake debris and shoot it really being demolished in the building. That's mad. Does anyone miss when like Mel Gibson was like a, I don't want to talk about Mel Gibson. Yeah. There's a reason that I said Riggs and not Mel Gibson. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to talk about Mel Gibson. I'm just saying, I miss him. A little bit. He was good. <laughs> it's like Russell Crowe. They were good. You know what I, I mean? I still love Russell Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe. And, uh, and you, won't like, you won't want to talk about Thor. He's good in that. I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's excellent. Is, Russell Crowe is excellent in most everything. That he he is, right? Even when he's bad, he's so excellent. So was. Oh, fuck. I just pulled my neck. Karma. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay. I if love this, you. I'm sorry. I love you. This podcast is just going to end up being me just talking to myself, <laughs> which I swear it's me, me, most of the time anyway. <laughs> the Power of One. From the Academy Award winning director of Rocky and the Karate Kid comes the story of a boy orphaned in a land he loved. I am helping. I'm Peter. In harmony with the people that were not his family. Oh, it's sad. We have a boxer here. As he grew, he trained to protect what he treasured. That's big Zulu. Learned to defend what he valued. If we let them get away with it on our own grounds, 
It will never change. He fought with his fists. I want you to start the school to teach my people to read and write English. It's only about a dozen people you're talking about teaching. How much difference will that really make? But he led with his heart. The waterfall begins with only one drop of water, sir. And found that one person can make a difference through the power of one. Stephen Dorff, John Gielgud, and Morgan Freeman. Unparalleled motion picture will take you on a breathtaking adventure into a remarkable triumph of the heart. Discover its uplifting power, the power of one. You mean White Savior the movie? Again? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing a bit. <laughs> Just knew. I knew when that trailer came on that was going to be the first word. <laughs> yeah, but like. That was a genre of movie for It still a is a genre of movie. Do you reckon? I think it's a little more subtle these days. I think it's less subtle these days. Okay. I think if we were to watch that movie, my, my notes would be that I would want more of him as a kid learning how to box and yeah. less of whatever happens after that. So <laughs> it's based on a, on a hit novel by Bryce Courtney yeah. set in South Africa during apartheid. And I remember when this book was a big deal when it came out and I remember this movie was a big deal when it came out. My mother has probably read that book. She used to love Bryce Courtney. I've never seen it, but it's got young Stephen Dorff. Yeah, my boy. Morgan Freeman. And it also has the screen debut of a very young Daniel Craig in that movie. Uh-huh. What? Not in the trailer, but he is in that movie. How young? He could pass for South African very easily. With that, the hair in the eyes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Young like teenager or young like? Young adult, I think. Okay. I don't know. I should have looked it up. I did not. The only reason I know of this movie is because Auntie Donna do a bit where they play South Africans talking about this movie all the time. It's Is this a movie where like- The words that you said make no sense to me. What's an Auntie What's Donna? What's an Auntie Donna? Have you, guys, have you guys never heard of like the quite famous Australian- Comedy trio. Okay, Auntie you Donna. said the words quite famous Australian comedy, and those also don't make any sense to me. <laughs> they had a show on Netflix. Okay, cool. No. No? No, no. I've, I like My interests Austra- lie elsewhere. I, uh, I, like, I like Australian comedy, but I've not heard of this Auntie Donna you speak of. They're, they're very funny, but they're also super like, they break the form. So, like, some people would watch it and go, this isn't funny at all. Where I watch it and I'm in tears the whole time because it's just like, completely ridiculous. I feel like I'm going to fall into the first category. (laughs) (laughs) You do hate a lot of shit I I love. I do hate a lot of things. I love a lot of things. He hates a lot of comedy. He hates a lot of comedian type stuff. If you love something, you like fully love it. I told you. I, like, I have pod- a spectrum of I said love. this on the podcast. I'm in or I'm, or I'm out. Like yeah, it's, that's very true. It's like <laughs> either it's for me or it's not for me. I and I know what those things are. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't try new things. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it, yeah, but it, fully. I but, it means that, but it means that I also don't waste time on things that I know I'm not going to yeah. be interested in. If you if you come across it while you're scrolling on Netflix or something and you see Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, watch the first step. It's kind of it, I, the first step. This is the first time I ever heard it like ever saw anything about them, watched the first step and I was fully into them. I've watched like a hundred thousand hours of their podcast now. <laughs> there we, you go. We do need to keep moving because I am afraid that you, neither of you will survive the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Okay. Fair point. Sinatra. And now ladies and gentlemen, Frank Sinatra. His rise to stardom his way. 
I'm going to be the best there ever was. His passion legendary. Sinatra. Now the story can be told. This is the authorized biography. You son of a bitch. You make me this feel is so the superstar young. that swooned an entire generation off its feet, so played with both presidents and gangsters, and seduced the most beautiful women in the world. Sinatra. His story. His way. Ain't nobody's punching back. His family that inspired him. His sensational voice. Not a movie. Not a movie. It's a CBS miniseries. Right. I was so up. confused uh-huh. by it. Yeah. Authorized by the Sinatra estate, so they took out all the bad shit. My note on this yeah, is, eh, looked very It didn't seem like the kind of thing that people who are watching a Brendan Lee show done in Little Tokyo movie would be Great interested call. in. It's really just about selling your wares, and sometimes yeah. it doesn't matter where your wares are sold, just that they're sold. Yeah. I mm. just think it's better when you sort of at least try to yeah. kind of like, okay, these are all our movies that are in the general realm of what you're about to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angel Street. Detective King's been assigned to the shift. You're going to be her training officer. She's out of internal affairs. Give it to Kanaski. You're delaying me. I gave her to you. What do you got against me, Chimako? You don't want to work with me? Fine. Crack, coke, smack, speed. We get hundreds of drug killings every year. You'd care if it was a white kid. You say that I don't do my job? You don't give a damn about these people. You running those heels? Dead woman king, nigger. Shaking in my boots, Brannigan. Do you ever call my partner nigger? Two women. Police! Please! Two cops. Take it! Too tough. Is this a great city or what? Angel Street. Is this like female lethal weapon? Kind of, yeah. It kind of looked it, dope. Yeah. I would watch the shit out of that. Lady body cops. Pamela Gidley from Thrashing. Oh, my. Yeah. I did not recognize her. What I know, right? And Robin Givens, who was on lots of television, but unfortunately is more well-known for being Mike Tyson's ex-wife than anything else. Your what? Robin Givens, the other woman. Yeah. She's Mike Tyson's ex-wife. I thought you said my cousin's ex-wife, and I was like, what? <laughs> Fuck, man, we are so <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> I know. We've We're got the silliest today. fucking through the mirror here. <laughs> Oh, my God. I was confused as to why you were so shocked. (laughs) Mike Tyson had a wife? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so it's about a couple of female detectives that team up in the streets of Chicago. One's a savvy veteran and the other's an ambitious rookie. Also, not a movie. This is a TV movie made from episodes of a TV show that only lasted four episodes before it was cancelled. They had made four more. They've never aired. Aw. The whole movie is up on YouTube if you want to look at it. (laughs) Okay, man. whole movie. (laughs) I searched... Angel Street, and it was one of the first entries that came up, was just the whole movie. (laughs) New York's most beautiful police detective in The Arms of a Killer. Detective Maria Quinn. New York's most beautiful police detective is caught in a tangled web of murder. Jacqueline Smith and the arms of a killer. There are many men in her life. One of them is a killer. But which one? Jacqueline Smith and the arms of a killer. You're an innocent. You know nothing. She can catch him or be his next victim. 
find yourself someone to love, and if it's good and it's real, you don't flush it down the toilet for a drug dealer and a dead hooker. Passions are pushed to the edge, where betrayal is the only way to survive. Falling in love was never this deadly. An erotic thriller that goes all the way. Jacqueline Smith in the arms of a killer. What a line another TV movie. Yeah. New York cop investigating murder of a drug lord in which her lover is the main suspect. It's an erotic thriller for is television. Is this the last one that had the real broad trailer voice? Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> is this one with Leo McGarry? It is the one with Leo McGarry. It has Leo McGarry in Who's it. Who's that? West Wing. Uh, yeah. John so Spencer? Yeah, John Spencer. Yeah. Leo McGarry. I He's got, fantastic. I got Ellie to try West Wing for a second time. We made it to the second episode. <laughs> oh, Ellie. I know. She kills me. Who's going to recap the premise of Showdown in Little Tokyo? I, I put some forethought into this. There you go. Let me try. Buddy cop movie, American buddy cop movie against drug dealing Yakuza. And instead of the buddy being the traditional strong white guy and like the like Japanese guy who can fight, the big white guy is the kung fu expert and the Japanese guy can also fight but isn't like – He's he's the buddy. He's the wise wisecracking dude. Okay. So it's yeah, like I the mean, dynamic not, that's flipped. I didn't say well, it yeah. well. Not yeah. But I got it though. That's a hundred percent it. It's been to be like one line. Yeah, I didn't think about how to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> I did some work, but I didn't think about how I, I was going to say all the, the words. I thought about all the parts. <laughs> you got all the parts. Up. I'm trying here. I didn't write it down, okay? What oh. would you say, Ken? Okay. No. I'm yeah, not go on. Show, show us a good premise for Showdown in Little Tokyo. Okay. No, got nothing. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, culture flipped buddy cop movie where they take on the Yakuza. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, but yeah. he said it in the short premise. Yeah, it's a cult- culture flipped Yakuza. Yeah, culture flipped. Buddy cop movie. Cult- culture flipped is what you were looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's the word. And it that is a very shorthand. I mean, I'm going to cut out the long pause, but I did. <laughs> but it did take me a second to figure out how to phrase that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll keep it in with the with the Jeopardy music. <laughs> oh yeah, we could do that. Yeah, good good call. Thank you. Cut it in, please, Samantha. The blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from the year 1998. The entry for. Showdown in Little Tokyo. An LA cop, London, takes on the Chinese mafia to get revenge for the brutal murder of his parents. Lots of kickboxing, not much else. Two stars. Okay. Two the first stars. That's the thing that's the problem? I mean, there's... Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, go on. Chinese mafia? Yeah, yeah. The Yakuza is not the Chinese mafia. Oh, I didn't even yeah. bump that they said Chinese. Holy shit. That's why I kept saying Chinese mafia. Holy shit. I was like, calling them the mafia is a little bit underselling what they are, but also like Chinese, Chinese. mafia. Yeah. Someone doesn't know. Somebody doesn't know. Yeah. Even though the whole movie, it's Little Tokyo. It's not Little Shanghai. Yeah. Fuck you, Blockbuster God, in this instance. <laughs> Jenna Maslin of the New York Times. Of course has reviewed this movie. Did not review the movie. Oh, are you serious? Vincent Carmby of the New York Times did review this oh, movie. Oh, okay. In September of 1991 and wrote, Showdown in Little Tokyo 
is a violent but spiritless martial arts movie about Japanese gangsters who attempt to muscle in on the Los Angeles drug trade. To the extent that the movie equates gangsters' efforts with those of legitimate Japanese investors in this country, Showdown Little Tokyo might qualify as Japan bashing. Dolph Lundgren, a large man with a small screen personality, and Brendan Lee, as the son of an American father and Japanese mother, play the policemen who kick, sock, and break Asian necks on behalf of justice. The body count is huge. Showdown Little Tokyo includes a lot of blood, mayhem, vulgar language, and nudity. That's the whole fucking review. I didn't cut it down. So there are some fair points in that, though. Like, I mean, the spiritless comment, kind of. I mean, the thing is, is we always talk about reviews meeting the movie, right? Right. And I think this review understands what the movie is, but still, like, it's like, uh, it's a little bit spiritless because it is. It, it it does have, it doesn't it's spend not, enough time on the things that it should. It's not its fault, which I will talk about. Interesting. Okay. Not a hit in cinemas. Yeah. Aww. Found an audience on VHS and that audience grew into a cult after Brendan Lee died. Yeah. I feel like that happened to a lot of his films. It happened to all of his films. Yeah. Because there was a demand for it after this, he died. Is this film kind of where he plays the most comedic actor that he's played? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it shows that he, he had a lot of potential to be the comedy. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He was He was a lot of fun. He's always a lot of fun. True. Yeah. Is there many films between this and The Crow? There's two. There's Rapid Fire and then there's The Crow. There's oh, only right, five okay. films, isn't there? There's only five, yeah. Fuck, yeah. that's so shit. My backstory with this movie is that this is my first Brandon Lee movie. All right. And I was so hyped to see this movie when it came out because I loved Bruce Lee. Fair enough. Mad. And I'd already seen a lot of lot of Bruce Lee's movies by the time that this movie came out. Uh, and, of course, I saw it with my dad and we I, we rented it so many times. <laughs> yeah. This is a movie I've seen so many times. This is one of those movies that despite all its flaws, I could have put I could have started watching it as soon as it finished. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's definitely rewatch value. Yeah, and I've revisited this movie fucking tons of times. Kira had seen this before. Yes. How much of it did you remember? I remembered the dynamic between the two guys, like the the cultural flipness and that stuff, but I did not remember the plot, what it was they were fighting against. What was and the stuff. plot? <laughs> <laughs> or like who the bad guys were or, or that, sort of that stuff, but I remembered the, the, the dynamic between the two characters, which makes sense. It means that I remembered Brandon Lee in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I love Brandon Lee movies. Did you have a positive experience the first time or were you going into this going, oh, man, not keen? No, I, I'm, I, I don't think I've ever had a negative experience with a Brandon Lee movie. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I was, I was pro picking this. There is a Blu-ray of this movie that's still in print. That's good. I um, feel like this is a movie who would benefit from like a longer cut. Is there a longer cut version? There is not a longer cut version. Damn. And it's not streaming, but you can rent it pretty much everywhere. Okay. Let's talk our way through... Yes, please. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Similar opening to Rapid Fire. Yeah. We start in a dark room in close-up of somebody doing martial arts, except this time it's a Yakuza with tattoos all over his body, mm-hmm. fucking okay, around with a katana. It's not Brandon Lee. It's not. It's, it's not, not Brandon Lee. <laughs> Tobacco. Long opening credits. Mm. Especially considering the movie's so short. Yeah, I want you to take note of the fact that it's long. Mm. Set up the payoff. Chekhov's opening credits. <laughs> They project the title treatment over the bulging pecs of the Yakuza man. Yeah. Which is a nice title treatment. I'm a fan of that. And then we open in Little Tokyo in Los Angeles at an underground fighting club. And Lundgren, as Kenner, is sneaking in via the roof. And on the street, some Yakuza roll up. The leader 
Sato? Do you recognize Sato? Is it Shredder? No. No? He's not Shredder. He is in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. He is Shredder's offsider. Oh, he is too. Sorry. Yeah. That you actually see the face. That's why I'm thinking he's Shredder. Yeah. So Sato is played by Toshishiro Obata. He had a short but pretty memorable career as a henchman. Yeah. I've seen him everywhere. Yeah. But before that, he was a swordmaster in Japan uh-huh. and he founded Shinkendo, which is a modern martial art based on samurai what? swordsmanship. He founded his own martial arts and then became a stuntman. Yeah. It's like, choose one thing in your fucking life. No, many things. No. (laughs) That's before he moved to the United States. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. So I know him as as Tatsu. Yeah. Shredder's second in command in the first two Ninja Turtle movies. Mm. He's also in Chona O'Brien, one and two. Really Scott's Black Rain, which Kira and I have visited some of the Japanese locations of in Osaka. That was Black Rain. I haven't even heard of that. It's on the list. Okay. Ulterior Motives. We saw the trailer for that. It's got Thomas Ian Griffith, Terry Silver in Cobra Kai in it. He's in that movie. He's in Demolition Man. He's in The Shadow, directed by Russell Marquet, who yeah. went to my high school. <laughs> and lots of and lots of other stuff. Although his credits do dry up at about 95 or so, and I'm not sure. I, I mean, he was older he was when he started in the film industry. Yeah, yeah. and also he, limited roles. He's pretty much always a henchman. Yeah. He's never anything other than a henchman. He's the bad guy in this movie's second in command. Yeah. And he shows up with his boys at the front of this club. Can I swings down into the ring and breaks up the fight, confronting That was the fucking coolest arrest. (laughs) Like, the coolest way to fucking, like, start this film. Holy shit. He's arresting Tanaka, who runs this club, and Tanaka tells the fighters within the ring to kick his ass, and then somebody yells out, five grand on the new guy. Five grand on the new guy! That's a good bet. Yeah! That's a good bet. Yeah. Kenna is, in fact, the one that kicks ass. Yeah. But the Yakuza are, are there to fuck shit up and try to kill Tanaka. So they open fire with Uzis. Mm-hmm. There is some other machine guns, but there is some Uzis. There's there. a lot of Uzis. There's a lot of collateral damage in the gun in the gunfire. <laughs> yeah. People just die left, right, center. And chunky squids. Uh, squids. Squibs. Chunky squibs in this movie. I want to ask now, sure. even though it's not really present, there is a lot of bare chest squib yeah. work. And I was wondering how that works. It's just... Uh, makeup appliance. So they just put shit over it to make it look like skin and then it bursts out. Did you see a bursting or did you see bullet holes in somebody afterwards? But uh, no, chunks. I swear chunks like come out. So you could just do a makeup appliance on somebody's chest that has a small, smaller thing in it. They would have very little protection and it would hurt like hell. That's what I'm thinking. Like, because yeah. a squib is essentially like a tiny little. It's a tiny little explosive. Yeah. yeah. That's hectic. That's mm. mad. There is some fucking dope stunt work in this. Sorry, continue. <laughs> there absolutely is. Tanaka bolts. Can a kind of navigates the fight between the two gangs, the two warring, the Yakuza and the and the underground fight club guys, ends up out on the street. It's at the same time that Sato and his boys in a convertible try to run him down and he does a flying sidekick over a car from a standing start. Yeah. Fucking mad ups. Get this person on a fucking basketball court. That's hey. my next note. My next <laughs> note is that dude should play NBA. <laughs> Holy fuck. That would have been done with a wire or not. I would have been in front of the car, right? Either in front or actually behind. Because it's actually him, right? I don't think it's him. I think it's a stunty. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And could be a wire. I don't know. It's the... It's, it felt like it could be a wire. Because, like, if he's in front of the car and on a wire, he would be pretty safe to do the shot, right? Yeah, in front or behind or yeah. wherever. Even even over the top of the car if the if the stunt is timed well. Oh, yeah. It looked – oh, it could have been sped up. I don't know. I have no mm. idea. I, the other problem is that with this movie, it's cut so fast I couldn't fucking tell. Mm. I didn't even notice. You can't – they cut 
to the wide and then cut to him landing in a different shot. Like it's, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I don't do is when I'm really enjoying a movie, I swear I just like, I can't analyze the craft at all. I'm just like, yeah, that's why I do watch a flip. That's why I watch movies twice. <laughs> yeah. I watch a movie to enjoy it and then just soak over me. And but then I like I go coming to you with questions. That's I, I appreciate that too. <laughs> the next day, Kenna is floating with the owner of his favorite sushi joint. By the way, this is the exact same street is that he just jumped over. I thought so. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> little Tokyo isn't very big. Is no, it? it's only a few streets. Yeah, I thought so. Yep. It's little. Tokyo. <laughs> the owner of the the owner of the sushi joint tells him that she's too much woman for him, and that he should start with something easier. I fucking love that. She's harassing him about why he, he's not married. Yeah, essentially in in Japanese, but it's not trans, it's not translated. Yeah. yeah, so it's fun. It builds. It very quickly builds up that he is somebody who's already immersed in this community, Mm -hmm. which is kind of great. Sato and his goons then roll into the sushi joint to solicit a donation for the local merchant association, which they want a percentage of her gross profits. It's the Yakuza here in America. As a child, I thought the Yakuza was going to be something that I had to deal with (laughs) in my day-to-day life. (laughs) (laughs) A a series of issues that have not become too much of a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think you had a misguided idea of what the world actually was like. Yeah. It's disappointing. In Australia. I have it to really say, it's pretty disappointing. disappointing. <laughs> I would love you would, to see you more You would like Yakuza. to have to deal with the Yakuza? <laughs> Maybe. I would like to see more full body dope Yakuza tattoos, that's for sure. Kenna gets involved, taking his tea with him. Mm-hmm. He ends up manhandling one of the a couple of the goons, still holding his tea. It was so <laughs> fucking good. Like it was so low effort, but for that scene, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, he ends up kicking a dude so hard in the chest that he changes direction as he flies out a window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kicks him in the chest, so he should go out the window backwards, but he goes out the window forwards. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few things, a few stunts where you're like, "Oh, I can see what they did there." Yeah, and then he falls right in front of Murata Lee, who is kind of dressed like one of Sato's goons. Yeah. yeah. Why do they dress in these colorful oversized suits? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like he. That suit was so fucking 80s. So big. Yeah. Or is it 90s? It's 90s. It's 91, but yeah. Yeah. He bursts in and tells Kenna to back off. And of course, they end up fighting each other. Mm. There's some good stuff in here. Does a a backflip kick? Yeah, I wish I watched this more carefully because they're actually like going hand to hand. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's really them. But then Sato and his goons back in their car spray the restaurant with gunfire and they both have to hide. Kenna hides behind the most bulletproof table in the world. Yeah. <laughs> a wooden table that just gets shred. I've often thought about this. Like, how do the community think they're good people? Because, like, everywhere they go, shit gets blown up. Eh? Oh, well, I a have little some, bit. I have yeah. some like, this is, like, lethal weapon, but, like. It's very lethal weapon. More bullets. Almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Afterwards, they point guns at each other and show each other their badges. Police drop it. Because, of course, Murata is Kenna's new partner. They begin to bicker which is the beginning of them just one-lining each other the entire fucking yeah. movie, and it's great. You was know, it? all that upper body strength, it really slows you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty quick. Do you know if they, like, got on on this film? And- I, because this movie is what it is, I have very little background yeah, on okay. the making. I couldn't find out much about the making of this movie. I found, like, one art interview with Marco Lester where he says, like, one paragraph about the making of this movie, but I couldn't find an interview with anybody. There's no oral history yeah, right. or whatever. It's, it's it a movie like that, they had a bit of fun. It's a movie that, that has fans, right, yeah. obviously, but it, but it was never a massive hit, and I don't think people really remember it. Yeah, I feel like both Dolph and Brandon 
I think they probably had a good time. Yeah, I don't yes. think they're kind they of people who are going to not like people. You know what I mean? And even if it, even if they did, it's not on camera. Yeah, yeah it's very true. They're great together on camera. Yeah, they're the best part of this movie. Brendan Lee's great in this. That's the thing. Like I was like, they are constantly. It seems like they're having a good time. Like in camera, the actors are having a good time. So I didn't want to talk about Mel Gibson. But, okay. But one thing that Mel Gibson says in the Lethal Weapon movies is that when they were making, not so much with the first movie, when they were making two, three, and four, he didn't always love the scripts very much, right? So he would, him and Danny Glover would just do scenes where they just talk and they just, they just like chat, bicker with each other and chat with each other in character, like improv within, like in between the actual lines of scenes, they just like would fuck around with each other. Because obviously they made like four movies. Yeah. That's kind of what this movie feels like. It feels like, they spent some time. They don't quite do the "we're just going to talk constantly" thing, yeah. But they, it feels like they spent time working on the dynamic between the two of them and letting the movie take care of itself. Yeah. Because the movie, whatever, right? With, with the lines, it feels like they're trying to compete for the best line. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Only one of the goons didn't make it out of the sushi joint, so they arrest him. There's a fun bit where Murata's trying to read him his rights, but he's unconscious. Yeah. Which is always a always a good laugh. And then in the bullpen, all of Kenneth's old partners wish him luck. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that they caught doesn't speak English, so Kenneth asks him in Japanese who his boss is, and then very aggressively rips off the goon's shirt. He does a lot of there's a lot of shirt ripping in this movie. He yeah. does tend to take people's shirts off. But and like that's because he's trying he's, he's identifying him as a Yakuza. And yeah, the guy has a, a full body kind of ta- tattoo. And that sends Kenna into a flashback of doom mm-hmm. of his parents being <laughs> murdered in their bed by a man with the exact same tattoo. Shirt yeah. rip of doom. Shirt <laughs> rip of doom. Yeah, I should have gone with shirt rip of doom. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's It's the preamble before the flashback. Yeah. <laughs> Kenna kind of flips a switch and then starts choking the dude, demanding information, and then finally kind of, you know, collects himself and backs off. Yeah. And they go into the observation room and we get some backstory because Murata wants to know what the fuck is up. Okay, he's Yakuza. It's a perversion of the warrior class that dates back to the 12th century. So these guys have been pissing you off for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get that joke. Yeah. Uh, fuck. I, um, Brendan Lee is funny. It is a movie. fucking... He is. My pi- here's my pitch. It is a fucking crime. We did not get at least two more of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great shout. Showdown in Little Koreatown. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third movie... Showdown in Big Tokyo. Oh, oh shit. Well, they go to Japan. That's definitely the basically rush hour <laughs> you're explaining. Uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> They're good movies. They're I'm fun. sure they are. Okay. I would just rather watch Jackie Chan in a, in a Hong Kong movie. I, I don't even care what it is. I watch him do laundry. Kenner is going to tell his boss, Nelson, that it's not going to work. But then Murata admits that he has a problem keeping partners too. <laughs> They're both the worst. They have to find out who this guy's boss is. He's Oyuban. But it's too late as the dude commits ritual suicide by snapping his own neck before the heroes can stop him. Yeah, yeah that was hardcore. dope. I remember, was fucking dope. Like, I remember as a kid being like, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. The complications of like the thought you would have to just wild. Sorry, yeah. just tripping on that scene. The captain walks in. I think that's Nelson. They never name check him. Yeah. And 
starts harassing them about their report because they lost all the suspects because they were beating on each other, except for one guy. And then they're like, oh, yeah, he's dead. He just snapped his own neck. And the look Brendan Lee gives, like, a, like a, I don't know what the fuck's happening <laughs> to the captain. is just amazing. You arrest the nicest people. You've got to hope that there's a camera in that room because otherwise they're going to jail. I mean, they, I think they're going to jail anyway. Yeah. Because... I, like my opening where I'm like, we're going to do things by the book and then we're going to burn the book down with fire and honor yeah. is pretty, pretty yeah, correct. They just pretty destroy a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. They go rogue real early. It's like not even a question of going rogue. They're just like, they're cops, but they're not it doing comes, cop work. It, we'll get to it when we get to it, but it comes like right after Brendan Lee makes an impassioned speak, speech about doing things by the book and then they go <laughs> off book like straight a fucking way. <laughs> at a junkyard, at a car junkyard, uh, we meet our big bad, Yoshida, played by Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. He also looks extremely familiar, but I can't recall where from. His first credit is a, as a Wing Kung swordsman in Big Trouble in Little China. Ah. He's in License to Kill. Yeah. Kickboxer 2, Nemesis. He is Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung wins. In Mortal Kombat. Oh my god, yes! Your soul is mine. That's where I fucking remember that face from. Yes. Holy shit. And very briefly in John Carpenter's Vampires, he's in a movie called Snow Falling on Cedars, which is a movie I fucking love, but totally not podcast material. It's like one of the most arty, like flashbacky courtroom dramas you've ever seen in wow, your life. Wow, okay. It's also got Ethan Hawke in it. It's fucking incredible. Just a question. These guys that we're name checking who like obviously have a history before their stunt work in America. Well, he's they, not a stunt performer. He's just an actor. He's an actor, yeah, true. But did they have a career? I don't want to make the assumption that they were born in Japan, but I was just like checking if there's stuff that you're not telling us that they've done like early work. I tend to focus on stuff that is relevant to us. Yeah, okay. Unless they're in something that like Snowfall on Cedars, which is a movie I fucking love that we would never in a million years do for the do for the podcast. Yeah, cool. But I just like name checking that movie because it's also a movie that I don't, I don't think a lot of people have seen. Right? Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's directed by an Australian director named Scott, really? Scott Hicks. Who, okay. Who did, I think he directed Shine, which is a famous Australian movie. Right, okay. Never yeah. heard of anyway. it. And lots of more TV and movies past our kind of timeline and he's still working. He's still around. Awesome. Yoshida and his goons watch as they crush Tanaka, the fight club owner, in Chekhov's car crusher. <laughs> this is, uh, like, been done in so many movies. Yeah. I think the first time I saw this was, like, gone in 60 seconds maybe back in the day. Do they do a car in the in the the remake, not the original, obviously? It's a remake with Nick Cage? Yes. Holy shit, I never knew that. It's a remake of an indie movie from the, from the 70s. Mad, is it good? No. Uh, I love it's barely a movie. Seconds. It's actually the 70s version is barely a movie. There's lots of voiceover narration and it's really just like a stunt stunt guy yeah, made a movie, right. but didn't really make a movie. But because of all the cars that are featured in it, it has a cult following in the in car culture. Yeah, dope. And okay. then, yes, so Gone in 60 Seconds is a remake. Yeah, but we, I was wondering, like, done much before? Because, like, getting a whole car yard and this machine must be fucking hard. No. No? No. I mean, it's probably not real. It is. It's a real. It's a real junkyard. They just go and hire a junkyard, and it's within LA. I'm sure that that junkyard's been shot in so many other fucking movies, and you never noticed. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, 
And then at a sleazy Yakuza pool party. Seems like a great place to just hang out. You and know, smoke some seen, ice. Yes, yeah, casual Angel, ice. Angel, who we're just meeting, is just smoking ice. Yeah, yeah. super casually. Yeah. This must be in a time, because there's a line later, but there must have been a line before ice was ever known of. Yeah. This is the movie that introduced ice. Fantastic. <laughs> this is why people start doing ice in America. Uh, this movie. She runs into her friend. That's not true, guys. That's <laughs> not true. Don't listen to Kian. Don't blame Brandon Lee for ice. Yeah. She runs into her friend Minico, played by Tia Carrera. Cassandra Wong in Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2, Wayne Harder. <sighs> Tia Carrera. Oh, my God. Yeah. She is like, and guys, don't say it. I'm not being horny, but like- <laughs> She is so gorgeous. Holy shit. She's just unbelievably beautiful. Amazing. And great actor. Let's not leave that out. Juno Skinner in True Lies. I love her in True Lies. She is too. Oh my God. Her and Arnold have like amazing chemistry in that movie. I haven't seen that in years, but I fucking love that movie. You haven't seen that movie in years because it doesn't exist in HD. That we shit. We fucking talked yeah, about Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Angel tells Minako that Yoshida sent guys to kill Tanaka. But Sato shows up and escorts her away before she can tell them much more. And then Yeshida confronts Angel. She tries to buy her way out with sex. He gives her some more ice and then cuts her head off while fucking her from behind in front of his goons and videotaping it. Yeah, it was fucking, it was fucking full on. Yeah, it was a bit much. This is an R-rated movie. How could you not? It is not for children. <laughs> As a child, this freaked me out. Well, it would. I remember being like feeling really... Like not I'm confused about, good about this whole thing because because there's a lot of nudity. Yes, and but there's also there's also like the violence forcing and, and the, the violence. Drugs. Yeah, and yeah. I remember not. I remember feeling strange about it, even as a child. Um, this movie, I don't think treats women particularly well. Oh fuck no! And it's just like terrible fucking things that happen to women. Like I just. Two seconds and then we move on. Yeah. You know there's what I mean? No, it's like no implications. There's no justification it. for it and there's almost no fallout. Yeah. There's it. no like reactions of the women. You know what I mean? It's fucking yeah. heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no women characters that have agency. Not at all. Yeah. So it doesn't, you kind of can't. Normally when movies are like that, they'll have the female that's treated well as yeah. well. But this movie does not have that. No. Yeah. They really have given no agency. They just, they're literally just like set pieces. Yeah. Yeah. They're plot mechanics. Yeah. At a church, Kenna and Murata talk to a coroner at the crime scene where Angel's body was found. This is the same fucking church from John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Hectic. And watching it this time was the first time that I've ever fucking noticed that. <laughs> Which. That's unlikely. What the fuck was I doing? And all of a sudden I was like, they need to fuck off this Yakuza investigation bullshit and go into the basement of that church because liquid Satan is down there. <laughs> and the future needs our help. going to make sense to people who are saying Prince of Darkness. It's on the list. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. I got you. Um, Liquid Satan. Also, again, just fully showing her head decapitated on in the uh, body bag. Yeah. yeah. So Angel's head was cut off by a sword and by somebody who knew what they were doing, but she would have been dead anyway because of the amount of ice in her body. It's a new drug from Japan. It makes rock look like decaf. Is that is that accurate? Did it actually start in Japan? I don't know. Yeah. 
I tried to look it up, but typing in a fucking old business that shit. Typing, um, you know, ice. Yeah. When did? Where can I get ice in (laughs) Japan? (laughs) Some men appeared at my door, and they weren't happy with me. (laughs) Do you reckon they did this like overt nudity and the head chopping thing to get an R rating? Was it used as like a marketing thing back in the day? I don't think you try to get an R rating, do you? There are definitely films that I I know try to get the R. The word trying means that like, oh, we're going to push everything so that we get an R. Yeah. I don't think they're pushing everything so they get an R. I think they're making an R-rated movie. Yeah, right, okay. In the car, Kenna finally grills Murata about not knowing anything about his culture. My culture, I'm from the valley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My culture? Listen, Jim, I was raised in the valley. My dad's a white guy who's a dentist. I know about malls, MTV, driving dad's car on Mulholland. Yeah. We find out that his mum made him study martial arts so that he was connected to his own to his culture. Rather than um, flower arranging. Well, she also tried to make him do the flower arranging bullshit. I love this. Yeah. I love this bit. And then we learned that Kenna was raised in Japan and that he did the flower arranging bullshit because- Why, Ken? Because, well, we're going to cut in his lines here. Did you have to do that flower arranging stuff? A warrior who knows only one side leaves themselves vulnerable to attack. But many of the greatest samurai also wrote haiku. Yeah, there's poems that don't rhyme. It's such a good philosophy. I love that kind of, that aspect of the, I mean, the Bushido code is pretty fucking cool as like a guy who grew up loving fucking ninjas and and samurai and shit. But like that aspect of like having a full life outside of just being a fighter is really nice. Haiku, those poems that don't rhyme. Yeah, that hurt my heart a little bit. I love haiku. (laughs) Yeah, same. I've written quite a lot of haiku. (laughs) Kenna. Fills him in about the bonsai club, which is where they headed. I got so excited for an actual bonsai yeah, club. I thought you might have. Oh, so disappointed. <laughs> there be a club of people doing bonsai. We said, we said Brody's secret word. Yeah, it's my trigger word. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for some sudden cultural immersion. I don't eat raw fish, but that's just me. Yeah. I would also rethink eating raw fish <laughs> later at the club. Don't step on it. We're going to get to it. <laughs> they go in the back door because Kenna can't go in the front door. Kenna knocks and then knocks out a guy. And that guy is Benitez from Taking Beverly Hills. Oh, it's Benitez from Taking I Beverly Hills. I can't even picture You it, see his face it. for like five frames, man. I thought it was the guy who had to cut his finger off, but no, okay. That's somebody else. Uh-huh. We'll get there when we get there. Okay. I was curious about whether or not you recognize that man. I definitely did. Okay, but yeah. you couldn't place him? Can't place him. He looks younger than I think I know him. Well, there's the setup. Mm. We'll get to the path. <laughs> Inside, Murata takes out kind of two goons. How long did you study? Since I was four. You should have started earlier. <laughs> it would have helped your form. Oh my God. I loved when I heard that callback from fucking another complete movie for us. You know what I mean? Like that is I a callback I feel like in the other movie, four was the correct yeah, age to, to start. Yeah. So, so now we learn you can start at three even better. There's nothing wrong with my form. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Lee's fighting skills are way better than everybody else's. And then inside the bonsai club, there is no bonsai. But there are women sumo wrestling and businessmen eating sushi off of naked women. Yeah. You know that thing I said about the fish? I could change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is legendary. This is the scene that as a child, everybody else that I knew that saw this movie, we talked about. Yeah. Eating sushi off naked women. Yeah. It was the dream. (laughs) 
I wonder where it started. Is it an actual I don't know Japanese a, thing? I don't think it's a real thing. I think yeah. it's a thing in this movie. I think it's a, we'll see it must have started before this movie. Like I, I'll give this movie a lot of credit, but I don't think I'm giving them coming up with eating sushi off naked bodies. I don't know. Because how many times have you seen that in other movies? No, I don't think I've ever seen that. Are you fucking movie. kidding? Not in another movie. Like, I can't, I honestly can't, but there are so many scenes where like- I mean, you a, watch a lot more anime and stuff, weird stuff than we do. But it's but, not in anime. Okay. Man, I'm going to have to old you businesses. You watch adult anime, right? Yeah, but I watch fucking shit tons of anime. That's but what I'm saying. I don't think I really see it in anime. Okay, well, you look it up and you come back and find it. Yeah, I'm old businessing this shit. Okay. Kenna asks around about Tanaka and we find out that he doesn't own the club anymore. They spot Minako coming down after having finished singing on stage. She hung out with a girl that comes in two parts now. Oh. Is a line of dialogue from Kenna. Yep. Kenna, which is brutal, but also great. Pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. For all the wrong reasons. It's a, Can I just say, though, that line, although kind of shitty for the character to say, it's such a good, like, detective line. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like something you would hear in a noir detective film. It's like, she used to hang out with a girl that now comes in two parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we get some ADR. You remember Angel, just so we remember Angel. Yeah. That scene happened three minutes ago. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, they don't have much. Uh, not a lot of now. faith. They talk to her asking about Angel. And she knows who Kenner is. And we find out the new owner of the club is the owner of the Red Dragon Brewery, but she can't say anymore. Yoshida's goons approach them. Maybe we should have paid the cover. And then Murata throws a handful of change at a goon and it's on. The fight's kind of okay. They're both really good, but it's cut up too much. Yeah. It's cut up way too much. There is some fun tag team moves. They do some stuff where they like one of Brennan Lee vaults over Dolph Lundgren's back at one point. Yeah. It's kind of fun, but it's, it's not cut well at all. It's not a fight that I look at and go, that was exciting to watch out of this whole movie. They end up on the ground with guns pointed at them and are taken to meet Yoshida in his very Frank Lloyd Wright inspired office. I love the design of his office. I can't remember it. It's very Ennis Brown house. Uh, the design I know the words that you're saying, but I still can't <laughs> picture them. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Deckard's apartment in Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's yep. designed off the same house. Ah, very cool. It's also Terry Silver's base of operation in Karate Kid Part 3. Ah. That house is in everything. I point it out every time. Kira's like, yeah, I know about the fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. So this house has been used in multiple, everything. multiple. Well, it's, it's inspired in by that. It's inspired. Uh, it's not. They didn't shoot in the right, 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 right. brown house. They, they just base his office off that. Because it is fucking done. Kenneth tells Murata to relax, that if they're polite and show respect, they'll get out okay. He deals with Yakuza all the time. It'll be fine. But kind of flashbacks as soon as he sees Yoshida because it was Yoshida that killed his parents and young Kenna that caused the scar in Yoshida's face. It's yep. pretty convenient. Mm-hmm. Yep. He freaks out, rips off Yoshida's shirt, which means all the Yakuza pulled their guns. Yeah. And Yoshida's pretty chill about it. He knew Kenna would come one day and save him the trouble of waiting. Yeah, this is... Just a bit of business that's, like, unnecessary. But, like, hear me out. Like, they're, they're captured. And what does he do? Just, like, pull a gun, point it, and there's a thousand yeah, guns he, pulling at it. And then he puts it away and they walk out. Well, we haven't got to that yet. But there's a bit of business well, before they, they explain yeah, it. But it's before they walk. it's I'm all saying, there in the, like, why that all happens is all there in the scene. There's a, there's a <laughs> purpose for the scene. I get that. But just, like, the action, it's just, like, 
I feel like it's just pointless business. They could have wrapped just this kind of in a different it. scene. Yeah, yeah, really I get that. Murata pulls his badge and then starts telling all the goons that it's bad to shoot him. Cop. Policeman. You understand? It's bad to shoot me. He's a cop too. It's bad to shoot him. Yeah. Like he has a freak out Fuck. and starts pointing his badge at everybody. That is, that and then is he points his badge moment. at everybody for the whole rest of the fucking scene. Yeah. yeah. Like he's just constantly like, like it's an all access area pass. It is a shield kid. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to talk Kenna down. If they kill Yoshida, they'll they'll become the bad guys and they'll betray yeah. all his Japanese warrior bullshit. Yeah. And Kenna will get him killed too. And then, we, and then Kenna does kind of calm down and he isn't going to kill him now, maybe later. And then he says... I put us in a real fucking situation here. Mm. I actually think this scene's fucking great, yeah. man. I don't complain about the actual quality of the scene. Then what's I your just, point? I just feel like the business is a little bit like the action, like coming in here, being captured, but they're not captured, walking out. Like it's just like the actual action of the scene doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does because they weren't so totally captured. Like They, they still are captured. Like he, Yeah, but as, they, as we find out, they can't be killed because they'll be cops. It's going to draw heat. People yeah. saw them come down there. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes like sense. Like it's all it's all there in the scene. Yeah, okay. I, all, I get you. It makes yeah. sense. I just feel like it's pointless business. As they're leaving, Kenna says to Yoshida, I'm sure you'll try to kill me again. Yeah, correct. And then Yoshida's <laughs> response is, you too. <laughs> Which is pretty good. I feel bad for the henchman that got his gun taken. Outside, Murata's pissed at Kenna. You're going to tell me what's going on or, or you're going to go alone. And Kenna's response is, I'll go alone. And then Murata stops the car. It's the same fucking street. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so. That's twice already. So this is three times we've seen. Is that, that street. the street with like the? It's the like entrance to Little Tokyo. Yeah, they have like an arch. And and does it have the big? A, yeah, thank you. And the, it's the theater or something there. Yeah. Listen, you Zen warrior, fucking samurai asshole. <laughs> I want to know what's up. Listen, you Zen warrior, fucking samurai asshole. I want to know what's up. Because despite myself, I like you. And I don't want to see you dead. Yeah. yeah. I like you. Yeah. Despite myself. I loved that. I loved that. Yeah. He's just so open. He's like, I he, fucking like you. He man. walks over the bonnet of the car. He gets out of the car and steps up onto the bonnet and doesn't walk around the car. He walks over the bonnet as he's yelling at him. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Whoever came up with this like movement of this scene, it's it's really good. Yeah. Brendan Lee's great in this. We get more backstory. So Kenna's father was an MP in Japan after during the occupation mm. and was murdered by Yoshida. And Brendan Lee's response is, that's perfect. I'm partnered with a homicidal maniac and a personal vendetta of family vengeance. <laughs> that's what I should <laughs> yeah. have used for the one line. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then he asks him if he'll do this right, clean, like a cop in the 20th century, not some samurai warrior. We're going to nail this guy. And when we get done, we're going to go eat fish off those naked chicks. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they yeah. high five. Yeah. Brendan, Brendan Lee had a good time in this scene. Yeah. I think he had a good time making this movie. Yeah. Do you reckon this movie originally was the other way around? No, I think it's written. I think the concept is you start with that idea. Yeah. Cause like, I could, I, I could see Dolph delivering those lines in that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you, I think as a writer, you probably start with that idea. Yeah. It's fish out of water. It's a Japanese guy that doesn't know about his culture yeah, and true, a white guy that is that grew up in Japan. That is a strong, That's like Starting where you start point, for yeah. this movie, right? <laughs> Daytime, same street. That's four. Almost the fucking same frame as the last shot of the scene before. <laughs> I, I, that's 
proof that like you don't notice that things those things because I didn't notice. It's, it's nuts. It's absolutely so fucking it nuts. Play like a jump cut, or it's not quite. It's slightly different framing, right. but it's only slightly different framing. It's the yeah. same section of the street. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not even moving up and down the street. They're just using the same part of the same street over and over again, the whole movie. Okay. <laughs> We're going to come back to it. This is four. I figured. <laughs> well, they're watching the street and they and they spot Sato and his goons and we get this exchange, which is great. And I wanted to work in Malibu. That'll never happen. Thanks. That's supportive. I've joined you on this quest for personal vengeance and you got to take a shot at my dreams. Malibu Sheriff's Department, not LAPD. Really? Damn. I love that. I fucking love that. Because, yeah. like, on, honestly, Brandon Lee's character feels he's, like someone who follows the book but also doesn't research that kind of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's smart, but he's not clever. He's just a valley boy. Yeah. <laughs> he could be involved in the karate wars of the valley. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> I love Brandon Lee movies. We're back. Kira almost died. I did, but I'm here. I'm still here. It's really me. It's not the, the one that just says I love Brandon Lee. I love Brandon Lee. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> Sato leads them to the Red Dragon Brewery, and mm. we get more ADR reminding us of information that we had just learned. <laughs> they really have no faith in the audience in this movie. This movie reeks of a studio not trusting its audience. Yeah. And making sure that all of the plot points land. And so this is the part where I talk about how Warner Brothers butchered this fucking movie. I was going to ask, before you get there, is this the kind of film where there's two stars, but they're not massive stars? Is this the kind of movie where a studio is like fully hands-on? I don't think they were hands-on. I think they were disappointed with what they got afterwards. Oh, okay. And yeah, Lundgren's kind of a star. Lundgren has name value because he was in Rocky and because he was in Masters of the Universe, right? And so he's Lee not a would big be similar. He's not a big star, but he appeals to a particular audience. Right. Brendan Lee, this is his first American movie. His last name is Lee. Yeah. Right. So if yep. you know that he's Bruce Lee's son, then you're probably going to be interested in the movie, but yeah. he's not a star at this point. He's not the lead of this movie. Dolph Lundgren is the lead of this movie. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Warner Brothers weren't happy with the movie that. Mark Lester delivered to them and they cut 10 minutes out of it. It definitely feels like that. It does, doesn't it? It definitely feels like that. What was it? Do we know what it was? No. So that's, again, I couldn't find anything much more about the making of the movie. All I know is that Warner Brothers weren't happy with it and they cut 10 minutes out of it. This movie runs 79 minutes, including the front and the back credits. So without them, this movie runs 70 minutes. Oh, wow. It it's barely feature length. 17 minutes. It runs 17 minutes. Fuck, I missed no it for a second. No wonder it felt so quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the what's cut out of it would be character depth. Because I do feel like every single character in this is very flat. I think they- Two-dimensional, sorry, not flat. Yeah, I think they hacked stuff out of it to get it shorter. And then they also- the condensed storylines and took and took things out. Yeah, and condensed, scene, condensed scenes as well. Because ten minutes is massive. Ten minutes is a, is a long time, especially ten minutes is a long time in a movie that's pr- that was only going to run ninety minutes. Yeah, true. Right. I I didn't really understand until I entered into your two world. You know what I mean? And you guys kind of taught me the skills that I know, and I did some editing. That was the first real time in my life that I realized that thirty seconds is a long time. <laughs> It can be both an eternity and a very short period of time, yeah. depending on what try, kind of information you're trying to deliver. In those it's crazy. Yeah. And especially when you're dealing with a shorter work, cutting out 
five seconds is fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting out 10 minutes is massive. The, I think the movie gives us some hints about what was cut and I'll talk about those as they kind of, cool. as they kind of appear. Do you but, think they might have happened in between where, where there's a scene and then there's exposition that tells you about the scene we just saw? Do yeah. you think I mean, maybe there was a scene in between? I think so, yeah. And I think that they're doing a lot of – they. Uh, so I think they cut a bunch out of the movie and then panicked that – people wouldn't understand what was happening because they cut out scenes that are relevant to the plot. So they do all these little ADR patches to make sure that you understand all the plot points. They reiterate everything multiple times. I get you. Like, oh, that girl Angel. They tell you Angel's name again because the line of dialogue before it doesn't say Angel's name. Yeah. She's friends with a girl that comes in two parts now. Yeah. yeah. And then the ADR line is you remember Angel. Yeah. Mm. So it's a reminder. So they're not, they've got no trust that you were going to remember who is who. Back with the movie. This scumbag motherfucker put the Yakuza Iron Claw right on the logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they watch as representatives of every drug gang in town show up to the brewery. And inside, Yoshida is giving all the drug dealers the 10 cent tour of his operation. That is a lot of eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and monologuing about Japanese exceptionalism. The drug dealers aren't really buying what he's selling. They're not really into his pitch. Mm. So he cuts off a biker's arm and they instantly get more compliant. Yeah. That, would, like, that would work. <laughs> well, surely that would start some shit. It would also terrify you and maybe make you listen. Would it, it's if, a hostile if, I, if I was the head of a rival gang that was like like strong and had their own shit, someone cut off one of my boys' arms, I'm going to be like, well, I may leave here peacefully, but I'm coming back. Yeah, but the movie is positioning it as, they're the, as top dogs. the review said, is that they're the new economic power. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. True, yeah. true. At the Bonsai Club, Yoshida brings Minako flowers. So disappointing. Creeps on her, and then at his house, he rapes her while screening a tape of Angel's murder. Yeah, yeah. let's not discuss this too no, much. Oh, that's the only line. Heavy as fuck, it. and it's not shown, thank God. Yeah, the next morning, there's a weird line as Yoshida's leaving his mansion. Is it, Osu? I love that shit. Sorry, no. I just love that line because they like say that as they bow to him. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. I just love okay. seeing it in okay. film. He says a line, so this is America. I think I'm going to like it here. Was that at the start of this film? Like, was that a film a shot that was meant to be earlier? Oh, you're thinking the- it's out of... No, it's in... I think it's in the right spot, but I think that it, it ties to a plot line that he has been sent by the Yakuza to America to take over. Uh-huh. Which I think is... He had more character stuff. I think he's only just come to America. That's interesting. I didn't the movie think about does him. No, which the movie does no work to us to establish. Yeah. I didn't think about him losing scenes. That's that's a really good point. And build up our baddie a little bit more. Right, okay. Yeah. I think there was more plot there. Yeah, that would be that would be strong. Because right. then we instead of it being coincidence that like he's the bad guy from the past, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, there's some sense to why he's coming over. Yeah, in this scene. Leong shows up as a goon. Mm-hmm. And we get roof baddies, roof baddies on the compound, which is always good to see. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and as Yoshida leaves, he puts a goon in charge. That goon's name is Ito. I'll reveal who that is in a second. Oh, okay. So Kenner and Murata are still tailing him, watching from up on a hill, and are about to follow him when Murata spots Minako straightening up. Somebody left out a big knife. Okay. couple of questions here, like, did he have the stuff for seppuku in his house? Yes. 
And she's just using it, right? Just, that makes sense. Because I was like, where's she getting this shit from? She's just borrowing it. Yeah. Minako's preparing to commit seppuku. I think this is the movie that taught me about seppuku. Makes sense. Because I needed an explanation. Cam, what's the difference between seppuku and harikari? Good question. Our old business, that yeah. shit. Kenna sends Murata to follow Yoshida while he goes and saves Minako. There's like nine guys in there. <laughs> it's not gonna be a problem. Yeah, Kenna just fucking murks everybody. He fucking Kenna does. Yeah. Kenna, the cop with no warrant of any kind, just goes in. One guy, <laughs> one guy, he dick grabs through a door, pulls him through the door, and snaps his fucking neck. Yeah, yeah. There is. Oh, look. First of all, when I saw him walk into the compound and just straight up snap that guy's neck as the first instance, I was like, oh. So he's just Where's illegally entering and Where's snapping and killing people. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. How good was the shoot and roll? Yeah, he does a, does a oh, shoot and roll. Yeah. Classic. He shoots a bunch of the bad guys. Mineko has no reaction to the the gunfire echoing throughout the house yeah. whatsoever. She's and very all focused. The other She's, very detailed. She's very <laughs> task orientated. Yeah. She's yeah. like, I don't care if there's a rescue coming. I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah. He ends up saving her. He jumps out. A window he that is closed. Out a he window. steps out a window and it shatters. <laughs> Maybe a certain part of his anatomy shattered it before he went through it. Yeah. As we'll find out later. <laughs> he gets pinned down behind a muscle car, which he then picks up and places it on its side so that he can use it as a shield to tear out in a convertible. This is this is where I noticed Al Leong. I didn't notice him before. Oh, right, yeah. He he must have needed like an Uzi in his hand he for me to recognise. He also has a very distinct um, style of popping out a cover and firing. <laughs> it's like, you. oh, there's that Leon. Yes, that was it. That was fully it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenna fires one shot at the gas tank of the flipped over muscle car and blows it up and gets away. Yeah, which I thought was kind of clever. Fun, this is a fun sequence. Yeah, because you want him to lift a car, but what is what's How the is purpose for him lifting a car? <laughs> It's wild. At the Bonsai Club, Ido shows remorse and asks for forgiveness by cutting off a finger with a tanto, which is a real thing. Who is this? Is thing. You guys didn't recognize? No. no. Oh, is, he, is he younger? Would I know him from him being older? This is in between two other movies that you have seen him in. Oh, no. Tell me. That's Simon Ree. That's Day Han. Are you fucking kidding? Oh. Holy shit. I can't believe we didn't recognize him. I can't fucking Day Han. Fuck. Wow. Oh, Did man. not pick that up I at all. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I fucking love that man. That's crazy. So does that mean- Did you not recognize him with both of his eyes? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> so does that mean this is- his stunt crew, that would mean- it, it's, it's a movie he worked on as an actor and a- and a stunt man. Yeah. I feel like But he only he's only in like two scenes. He's in the scene at the mansion and he's in this, this scene. He's not in the rest of the Are any other of the, of the fighters from Best of the Best nope. one in this? Nope. Now that you say that some of them look more familiar. No. No, okay. Okay. Well I mean he must have got this on his acting credits then because Yes, he's in the, <laughs> he's actually listed in the acting credits, not in the stunt credits. Yeah. 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 But it's Simon Ray. Because I looked at the stunties and I was I was looking for Al Leong. I must have missed it. Yesterday kills him, and that's the end of Simon Ray in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's not enough. Is that all? Is what he says. So he starred in a movie and then did this tiny part. He's a working actor. Like he take whatever. And role he is he- more of a writer as well. Like he he wrote the best of the best. Oh no, wait, am I talking about the wrong Ray? Talking yeah. about his brother. Oh Ray. my bad. 
shit. Do I cut it out to make him look better? Or do I just nah, leave it in. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> Yoshida wants the head of the blonde cop. That's how his boys can make it up to him. Yeah. At Kenner's sweet warehouse loft. I want that fucking loft. Yeah. You want every loft. Windows. First yeah, of all. I want a loft. I want a big open plan loft. Yeah. yeah. That would be mad. Fucking. But, but also I want to live on acreage. So if we could have a loft on acreage. <laughs> well, I clearly want to fucking, we both clearly want to live like this fucking cop who somehow owns a mad fucking loft, a massive loft apartment and it's a massive plot of land yeah. with a house on it. It's in the warehouse district in downtown LA, which at the time maybe is a cheap property. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, but also secondly, who gives a small woman a massive shotgun to use to defend herself? Yeah, he shows her how to use the shotgun <laughs> and tells her to shoot if he sees uh, if she sees anything that moves. And the, don't worry, when he comes back, she won't see him. Chekhov's coming. Yeah. Kenna meets up with Murata, same street. That's five times. The water must be out of the house. They all went in to take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, you yeah. missed the line. What did, what did you do when you got in the house? Had to kill nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> Kenan tells them they're so far outside now that it's not funny. Yeah, what the fuck happened to the book? Well, after this setup of this movie, they do not act like cops at all. Yeah. Not even they're a just on bit. a vendetta or personal vengeance. Yeah, but like now is the point that he's like, oh, we're so out outside the book. Yeah. You scared? <laughs> Brendan Lee stretches, <laughs> smells his socks. <laughs> no. <laughs> you should be. That's fucking dope, though. In the bathhouse, they find Yoshida bathing, places packed with other Yakuza, and mm. a sumo sized man. Slips under the water. Why is there always one sumo in a bathhouse? Every time a bathhouse is shown, yeah. there's one sumo. They are there to arrest him for Angel's murder and for the, you know, international drug smuggling. <laughs> the sumo goon swims between the baths. Well, he he ducks down like he's in, hiding. No, he ducks down in one and then swims to one of the other ones. Oh, I didn't realize that was possible. I didn't think it was either. And then <laughs> comes up behind Kenner. Uh. Yoshida tries to buy them off. I always really wanted a Porsche. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. And of course it breaks down into a fight. And the fight, this fight is like slightly better. And those stunt guys fighting in the in the fundushi, which is the, the rap yeah. thing that they're wearing, get fucking wailed on. There is, there a, is a couple of bumps that are like <laughs> hardcore because there's no protection. The Brandon Lee sweep kick? Yeah. Where the dude falls Onto into his back the, yeah. on the edge and then goes into the water. That yeah. must have fucking hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also the the hose stunt work must have fucking sucked. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So it kind of ends up fighting the sumo-sized goon while Murata takes on Sato and some of his friends. And yeah, Yoshida uses it, uses the hose to knock down Kenna. He ends up in the water where he fights and stabs the sumo goon yeah. Kanto. But he's, as he's getting out, the sumo goon Jason Voorhees is him, yeah. grabs him out of the boat, and and Kenna jams a hose into his mouth. Yeah, high pressure one that would fucking Ow. kill you. Just drown. It's like yeah. instant drowning. How good was the underwater Wilhelm scream, though? Yeah. When he gets stabbed. I was like, that's impressive. Yeah. Out on the street, they bolt because the cops are coming. They are cops. Yeah. Yeah, but so like, outside the law. That is a great call because, like, in so many of these cop movies, when they're outside the book, they would just like stay there and explain the situation, and they still get fucking arrested, and then yeah. get yelled at by the chief. Yeah, yeah. but in this, they're like, nah, "Not fuck it, let's get out of here. Let's we don't want to explain." Yeah, back at Kenner's loft, Minako doesn't hear Kenner coming. They head to his lakeside retreat that he hand built in a Japanese style. This is yeah. pretty sweet. Is this? Because there's no road to this house. Is this just a hidden house in the forest somewhere? Yeah. (laughs) 
secret house. I want this fucking house. I knew that you would. Yeah. Next time you should get a place that's furnished. <laughs> Kenna shows Monaco where she can get changed and where she and where she can sleep. And Murata's like, I should just go find a hotel, right? It's mm. like, no, 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 there's three futons. What's a futon? I didn't get I that. I don't understand why he doesn't know what a futon yeah. is. Yeah. Well, in 1991, I don't think a futon was something that most people knew about. Uh, is it a Japanese thing? It is a Japanese thing. It's the it's the oh. it's the bed. It's the roll on the floor. That's a futon. Oh, and then I thought a futon was a lounge that folded out to a bed. In Australia, it is, it is. Oh, right, <laughs> right. In Australia, futon is a is a type of fold out bed that became huh. popular in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and then I mean we have one. We have one in our yeah. spare room. In our spare room. Huh. Yeah. I didn't realize that at all. I think I think we just stole the name. Makes sense. Yeah. Later, Ken is enjoying himself in his outdoor steam bath when Monaco joins him, asking him to close his eyes and then getting into the very hot water. She asks him why he saved her from committing seppuku, and he says it was because it was the right thing to do. Really short scene. Feels like there was probably more Yeah, I feel like there's probably more I'm trying not to comment and be an animal because that is, holy cow is all I will say. Holy cow. Okay, you can leave it at that. And later she's too scared to sleep by herself, and so she comes into Kenna's room. Do you hog the blankets? <laughs> brought my own. She brought her own, but it's not really going to matter because she curls up with him and they end up making love. So awkward. She does all. <laughs> wait, she does all the work. Also, what's with the music? Like totally dead fishing. But both of them <laughs> look like their faces look like they're pulling faces at each other. It does not look. Whatever. Let's not get into the mechanics. It might just be that they didn't spend enough time because those scenes often take a long time to shoot because they're difficult to shoot. Maybe they just didn't spend enough time to get it right. How many of those scenes have you had to shoot? I haven't had to shoot any. I've just heard that that's an issue with those. Just thought maybe you had because I know that actors actors always complain about those scenes because they do take forever. Really? And they're super awkward and annoying because you need to super precise and technical. And you got to put your shoulder here and your head there and then like that and then and get the right. Right, and now act. You have to try to be sexy and make it work for camera. Yeah, and you're also extremely vulnerable because you're naked. Yeah, and needing to be respectful of the other person, but needing to get what you need to get done. And it's and you're under hot lights with a bunch of people for like twelve hours trying to get this scene done. Right? It sounds like a fucking nightmare. Whereas this movie isn't. That's not the point of this movie. So I wouldn't be surprised if they shot it quick and it just. It's the kind work, of scene yeah. where you do need to actually spend you, the time. You got what you got. Yeah, 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 fair. This time, I heard you coming. <laughs> Been waiting all pod for that line. Now, as a small boy watching this movie with my father, went right over my head. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. No idea. Oh, my God. That was the best I remember best my father. Line. I very distinctly remember my father's laugh at that line. And this me time. not understanding what was happening. Because, like, I don't know if we've said it as clearly. There's, like, a couple of bits now where, like, oh, I put they a button sneak on up on each other. Yeah, I put a button on it. Yeah. yeah. No, but, um, fuck, that is probably, I think, the single best line that has ever been written. I don't. I think there's one better coming in a little while. What is it? Which one? We'll get there. Okay, okay. It's actually not that far away. Somehow Yoshida's goons have just found them and Kenneth's spider senses start tingling. We see Dolph Lundgren's butt. Mm. I think we almost get him hanging dong as well because he goes to lift up the quilt and it's like it's dark and you can't really see it, but he almost he almost did it. He's probably wearing a sock of some description. Oh, gotta kill so the, why, why kill the dream game? <laughs> For fun? Oh, I think I know the line. Shush. <laughs> Don't do it. Do not fucking step on it. I won't, 
Don't wait. take away my moment. Wait, wait. Murata has already spotted them. He asked where Minako is. In Kenna's room, she was frightened. I saw you strip down for that hot tub. I'd be frightened too. That is a pretty good line. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I would put it second. Yeah, yeah. Right. You do need to calm down. It's not that great a line. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Looking outside, there's more bad guys and they have bullets. So Kenny goes American Samurai and just starts loading up on fucking we- ancient weapons. Confrontedly, the shotgun. Does. <laughs> and then, Kenna, just in case we get killed, I wanted to tell you. You have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> that is probably number one. It is so good. I reckon, oh, I, I heard you coming, couple, probably I feel couple, is, is no, number one. You got the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> <laughs> As a compliment? Uh, yeah. That is like fucking amazing. It's yeah. so funny. And also, so not of its time. You yeah. have a man commenting on the size of another man's, complimenting and, and commenting on the size of another man's genitalia. Yeah. It did not happen in 1991. Yeah, and that's really delivers true. it with so much fucking gusto. He's, he's yeah, he pumped about that line, he hey. Has, he has fun with that line. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's the best line in this movie. Yeah, it's great. It's it also definitely... a line that people remember. So somebody, a mutual friend of ours, when I told them that we were doing this movie, yeah. they mentioned that line. And were like, I can't <laughs> believe that they said that line. It's just wrong. And I was like, no, you were wrong, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that line rules. You know who they are? You know, have you ever had those guy mates that like are just too close? Like given the opportunity, like they'd have a shower together. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah these, I are, these are those two boys. You yeah. know, that's YouTube boys, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, guys do it occasionally. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know what to say. <laughs> How about don't get killed? Don't get killed. <laughs> you too. There's another great line about to come up as well. Kenna kills four goons by throwing <laughs> some signs and shuriken, and then Brendan Lee says, it's kind of like one of those video games. You just defeated the first wave. <laughs> <laughs> like, I played that game. Good. I played that game on the NES. It was called Kung Fu. Yeah. Oi, but, like, also... Do you reckon it's more self-aware than this movie has been until this point? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit like, oh, okay. But also he's a kid from the valley that probably true, played a lot of true, kung, yeah, played, makes sense. Probably played kung fu on the <laughs> NES. <laughs> Do you know who you have moments where you were truly an asshole? <laughs> Goons open fire and our boys kind of fire back and hold their own, but not for very long because Minako is taken again. Mm. And they have to give up. And as they marched away, the goons burned down his house, which that I knew would That fucking upset. hurt me. That fucking hurt my soul. First of all, all right, you guys know that I've like been a homeowner for a little bit of time and the amount of work and effort I put into my <laughs> shitty little place and to see that fucking beautiful place being burnt down after he apparently built it himself, like it fucking hurt my heart. It really did. You're going to be okay. I know, I know. Until I have my own version of that, I will carry it with me. And I burn it down. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know why it sucked so much? Because they would have actually had to set something on fire. Yeah, but the inside and the outside of the house are not in the same place. The inside is a studio location. Oh, fuck. The outside is a facade so they can burn it down, Brody. Yep. Movie making. Yep. I'm I'm smart boy. Cinema is magic. <laughs> Yesterday introduces them to Hagata, Master of Pain, who tortures them with electricity through acupuncture needles all over their bodies. That looks real painful. Yeah. yeah. I was it's like, that's, that's, that's a, it does give them the opportunity to flex a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize Dolph Lundgren, is he ma- much 
bigger than than Brandon Lee because Brandon Lee seems pretty big. I think they're just in complementary shots. Uh, Dolph Lundgren is a much bigger man. Than yeah. Yeah. Than okay. Lee. Okay. In between cooking cycles, you're meant to baste us. <laughs> you I feel like they're having more and more fun as the time as the movie same. goes on in terms Fucking of same. like quote qu- quippy lines. I feel like it was shot in order and they became best friends as the movie <laughs> went on. I told you this movie, I told you when we first put this movie on the list, it's Quip City. It's yeah. just it really absolutely is. Quip City. Yeah. It's the most memorable thing about this movie. True. Is them just talking shit with each other the whole time. Yoshida baits Kenna with some villain bullshit about his father and then leaves to watch in his private limo on pay-per-view with Minako or CCTV. I love that they've given the baddie this weird fetish. Yeah. Like it's not explained at all. Kenna, but it's, Kenna like also gives him shit about not being able to get it up unless he's taping it. Oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. The thing is, I feel like they get a lot of face-to-face time with their big boss villain compared yeah. to other films in terms of like just – Normally, I feel like you might have a face-to-face at sort of the beginning where you realise, oh, this is who we're going to be going after, yeah. and then you don't see them until the end for the big battle, but it seems or like, like... a midway check-in. Yeah, maybe a midway yeah. check-in, but not in a way where you would actually have a chance of actually Agreed. Yeah. touching him and attacking him in any way, whether you were going to sacrifice yourself or not. Whereas this time it's like they saw him at the cops and then they saw him at the club at the club and they've saw him at the bathhouse and now they're seeing him here. It's like, it feels like they're they're getting a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. But also in terms of the dialogue, it's also very repetitive. It's always about the father. Yeah. Yeah. True. You killed my father. (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. (laughs) Watching it in his limo, Yoshida says, the only thing missing is the popcorn. He's got a car and a woman. It's gross. Yeah. Kenna flexes out of his restraints. So good. I knew it was going to happen, but yeah. still. And then pushes Hagata onto Brandon Lee yeah. to execute him. And then Yoshida tells his men to hide because the fun isn't over yet. So this is a, so I would say that this is a weird piece of, biz- piece of business. Like it's just well. overly convoluted. They put Kenna's car in position. It's the only car in the in the junkyard. Yeah, and because so- it's physical when it's fighting. I was like, oh, this is an action movie. They just want to have action here. Yeah, that's why I didn't feel like it was as out of place as that other scene. Like I understand why they do it. They do it for a very particular reason. But it also seems like it's a lot of business to get to that. To yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So our boys kind of exit from where they were being held, get into the trap car, which is instantly picked up, put into a car crusher where the roof is flattened. And why don't they just crush them? Crush them because of um, reasons. Yeah. And then the, the the forklift takes them out and puts them onto a conveyor belt that goes to a car grinder. And inside the car, they push up the roof using their legs and get out just in, t- just in time. I feel like the crushing would have hurt more. Heavy metal sushi. Oh. Yeah. Sado, yeah. Sado's line in Japanese. Yeah. 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 Line. yeah. And now Kenna and Murata have the advantage because they're dead. And so they can stay dead for a while. So shall we climb down and kick some ass? No. We're going to enjoy being dead for a while. Trust me. They'll be surprised when we show up. Yeah. To do what? To have a training montage, that's what. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. With Brendan Lee doesn't get a training montage? No. Only Kenna gets a, gets a training mo- montage. They do. They. Brendan Lee needs no more training. I love Brendan Lee. <laughs> Brendan Lee really is like in some parts of this movie, he's a hundred percent the sidekick. Oh, he's a hundred. And then in the some parts the of this movie. movie, it's a like buddy cop. They're almost on equal ground, kind of thing. 
I think Dolph Lundgren is the lead of this movie. Yeah, f- Bra- yeah, for sure. Lee but there are moments the where. But I think that it's a buddy cop movie. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Kenneth prepares for his final battle, and it ends with him doing like full Japanese warrior cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. Which he will wear into the final battle. It looked fucking cool. It looks cool. It looks it's just cool, a little weird because yeah. Brendan Lee's in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's in- inappropriate, but like I think well. if he was wearing it at Halloween, it might be questionable. Interesting, yeah. Right. But in this instance, he's wearing it in on a vendetta context. of personal vengeance. True. At the Red Dragon, Yoshida's meeting with his pan gang collective, and it's time to distribute his drugs through the beer and celebrate because it's the spring festival. I was confused by this. It's like, is there no beer in it? I don't know. It's just, it's just beer bottles <laughs> no, full of ice. It's just beer bottles full of ice. And they deliver the, the crates around town. Yeah, yeah, They deliver yeah. a crate at the wrong place. Yeah, and but like so the line where he's like, now, now Americans can enjoy our product and their beer while they watch football. I was like, maybe it's so like it in? maybe it's like one in six is a real beer. <laughs> It's a good way of getting it out there. Yeah. And now America can enjoy our beer and our drugs while watching football. Kenna and Murata hijack a Red Dragon brewery truck and drive it straight through the grand gate of the brewery. Is that them jumping on the car? Chasing and jumping on the back? Could be. I don't know. I didn't look. Yeah, because I was like, I can't believe they let the stars actually do that, but it looks like them. Do we look like truck drivers to you? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> the gang collective dissolves into panic. And our boys slam through a wall, Kool-Aid mascot style. Hey, Kool-Aid! Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid's here, bringing you fun. Kool-Aid's got their stomach run. Now, in movies, when you see this happen, does anyone else go, go for a minute like, in real life, they probably would have died if they hit a wall like that, right? And do you ever, like, think about the next steps of what happens in that moment? It's like the heroes hijack a car, go driving through the wall, and they don't, like, crash through the wall and they're fine. They just hit the wall and, and they die. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh. that was incredibly easy. I can't believe they did that. Why yeah. would they think that worked? <laughs> I don't because I, because... I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Right? Where, the, where shit like that happens. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that would be a good way to, if you were like doing a spoof movie, that's a yeah. good play. Like, like a- them just crashing, them trying to like do something ridiculous yeah. and just dying instantly. The bad guy being like, oh, I thought they were going to try and stop me. <laughs> almost, yeah. Almost every time when I see a car drive through a wall, that is my thought. Yoshida, you're dead. Well, it sucked. We came back. <laughs> <laughs> they kill a lot, lot of Yakuza in. A gunfight as Yoshida runs away with Monaco, escaping over a roof. And then we get, they follow them up there. And then we get Murata versus Sato. Uh, they fight with poles. But again, it's pretty <laughs> cut up and they don't really use the environment very well. I love that they just rip poles off <laughs> yeah. of the set. The one that Brenton Lee picks up looks like it was strapped <laughs> right there for him to pick up. Yeah. I love that also in that fight, what's his name, the bad guy in that scene? Sato. Sato runs and from the camera shot it looks like he has no choice but to climb up onto a tank but then after they fight for a bit he clearly has a path that he can run away from him well, yeah well we haven't got to that bit yet i just it's yeah i don't think the fights in this movie are very good no nah, there's you know how we talk about space a lot yeah. the space isn't well thought out yeah they never i think about the lee versus leong fight and rapid fire mm. and how fucking great that was and this movie does this thing where it never lets Brendan Lee finish a move before it cuts away from him to a different shot. Yeah. And it just doesn't doesn't work. Now, 
The fight coordinator of this movie is Pat Johnson, who mm. is a fucking legend, and I don't think that it's his fault. I think he's trying not style. to let Lee upstage Dolph. I don't think it's that, actually. I think it's just that they're edited badly. Oh. I think that the fights were probably better on set than they are in the final in the final movie. Pat Johnson is, is fucking amazing, so I'm going to talk about Pat Johnson just for a second, and I do not blame him for the fact that the fights in this movie are not great. I think it's the editing. He took up martial arts while serving in Korea, and then when he came back, he was a chief instructor at Chuck Norris's karate school Bullshit. in Sherman Oaks. Fuck yeah. While he was there, he invented the penalty point system used in karate tournaments. Hey. What the fuck? Cool. Yes. It's crazy to think that that was such a recent thing. Well, this is the 70s. This is the early 70s, so after the Korean War. He got into movies as a stunt guy, and his first movie is Enter the Dragon, fuck. starring Bruce Lee. He is the fight coordinator on all the Karate Kid movies. Hey. And he's the referee at the All Valley Tournament. Mad. <laughs> he's Fantastic. In the mo- he's in the movie. He's also the stunt coordinator on all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Dope. Which have 90s. really good stunts. They have in them. really good fights. Fucking really good fights. First two movies are fantastic. Third yeah. one can go fuck itself. That's the one in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible, but I still love it. No, no, I hate it. I tried to recently rewatch all those movies and I made about 20 minutes in the third one. I was like, nope. Hectic. He was the fight coordinator on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Hey. He was the fight coordinator on Mortal Kombat. Wow. So you can see through his body of work. He can do real fights he can do and good, stunt he fights. Can do good, he do, can do good fights. Yeah. Right? So I don't think that we can blame him for this movie. I think that we can blame yeah. the studio is who I would lay, my, lay the blame on. Mm. Many, many more up until about 2012 when it looks like he probably retired about that time. And he's still kicking around. He's like 80, 83. They end up back inside the brewery. And Murata starts reading him his rights as he kicks his ass. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney? You have the right to be dead. (laughs) I thought this was a great little piece of character work because in the first instance, he's like, I have to read him his rights, even though he's knocked out. Yeah. And in this one, he's like doing it as a joke because I'm about to fucking blow your ass up. And he knocks him into a large alcohol still, which he then just drops a lighter into, killing him. Yeah. And the character he was before this moment fucking disappeared. Little inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. Causing the entire fucking brewery to explode, which I guess is probably not good for the economics of Little Tokyo. But yeah. also, pos- I'm not sure that's how beer is made. Oh, wait, it's an ice factory. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of volatile chemicals. Yeah. And then we get Kenna versus Yoshida. Yoshida has literally tied Monaco to train tracks or a petrol bowser in this case. Mm. She is damseled as fuck in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And even <laughs> seeing as you said tied to train tracks, even the way he like pops his head out and like keeps trying to shoot is like the bad guy with the mustache going like. <laughs> yeah. Kenna saves her by untying her faster than fire can travel. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, he was a fu- he was a long distance away. Yeah, and then we get a big kaboom, another big kaboom with lots of like barrel explosions. That explosion is actually kind of cool. Yeah, and then Murata shows up just in time. Um, so that he can take care of Monaco as kind of chases Yoshida out onto the street and into the parade because the spring festival is on. <laughs> and now there's a parade. Same street. This is number six. So, <laughs> so it must be Chinese New Year. Oh, wait, it's fucking Tokyo. Tokyo, it's Tokyo, the, Tokyo. It's the yeah. spring festival. Spring festival. So do they mention it earlier? They say it three times. I did not even notice. Yoshida shoots Kenna in the shoulder and Murata goes to shoot Yoshida. But Kenna tells him to stay out of it, even if he's going to die. I swear the bullet hole on our boy is like on the left and more towards his heart. I was like, is he just fighting with a fucking bullet wound in his heart? Sure. <laughs> he's Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, Kick true, true. Kick his ass, samurai. <laughs> yeah. Kenna yells out to Yoshida about honor and getting rid of the guns. And then they pull real katanas. <laughs> Off the festival participants dressed as I was thinking about that, though. I was thinking about that. And even though, you know, it's probably not safe to have real katanas in public, but, like, it's also very easy to get real katanas. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And they probably would have had katanas. I was like, it's plausible that they could both pull real swords. I thought it was entertaining that when they first ran through the... the, um the parade, nobody really reacted to the fact that they were running through the parade with with really large guns. Also, no, I mean, I know he's meant to be like known in the community, but like when you see someone who you don't know is a cop, just this big white Aryan looking motherfucker chasing another Japanese man, are you not going to like help? (laughs) No, because they all know what's up because we are at our showdown in Little Tokyo. Yes. Yes. As everyone from the parade watches as Yoshida and Kenna fight slicing at each other and Kenna ends up losing his sword and Yoshida kind of takes advantage, cutting up his chest and all mm. kinds of shit, take quite a few, quite a few wounds. When Yoshida moves to cut Kenna down, Kenna disarms him, takes the katana, slashes his chest and runs him through. This mm. is for my parents. <laughs> and then what happens, Ken? Then he yeets him <laughs> into a <laughs> pinwheel. Yep. And then fireworks Which go off. spontaneously yeah. go off. Yep. They should have just cut to the guy lighting those. Yeah. yeah. Standing there with a the lighter going. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or Dolph giving him a nod. And, it's, and it spins as Yoshida burns to death and then explodes. Yeah, it's fucking wild. It's fucking interesting, uh, interesting choices. Yeah, nice slicing and dicing partner. And as they walk away, the residents of Little Tokyo show him respect <laughs> by bowing. Which is a bit much. It is. A, I will say that's a, a bit. bit it's a lot too it's much. Lot. <laughs> yeah. But he has rescued Little Tokyo from the Yakuza. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What are we going to call this in the police report? How about community relationship? <laughs> community, community relations. relations. We blew up the crime scene, killed the suspects, and joined the local parade. I like it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be allowed to be fucking cops after this. No. I don't think they're free after this. No. <laughs> I think the second until, movie until the second movie the when second the Yakuza movie, come back. Second movie opens with them with them like Rambo style, where where Nelson <laughs> comes to them and gets them out of jail. They're rebuilding the house. <laughs> <laughs> and roll credits. That is showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, what a film. I love Brandon Lee movies. It's a look. Despite all its flaws, it's fucking punchy. It's a good time. Yeah. It's a fun time. I mean, there's all the, we talked about the, the kind of questionable aspects and the fact that, yes, there's no female characters. But as always, you can lock in on 
one thing that really works, and that's the relationship between Dolph Lundgren and Brendan Lee. Yeah. And that is a good time. And Which, yeah, as we've said, cheesy. started has good like too many better. Quip. It has cheesy and it's got full of like quips and stuff, but it's fun. It's really fun. Oh. An appropriate age to have seen Showdown in Little Tokyo. It is rated R18 in Australia for medium level violence. <laughs> I'm gonna medium. Throw, gonna throw it out there. The there's a few things that would make this an older audience, but I think it's it's okay for a younger audience because I think the nudity is fine for a younger kid to see. The action is not too gory. You see people's heads get cut off, dude. I swear, Once. like half an hour ago, you were like, they went so over the top with this, they must Violence. have been they trying, been to, trying get the, to get the oh. And now you're saying, oh, but it's fine for kids. It's really not that bad. It's not got that much violence or, or nudity. Is this movie? Sure, no, no, no. <laughs> I stand by those points, but what I think what I think gets a rating and what I think is appropriate for children to see are two different things. Yeah. Because I'm actually- It's just that you're making the opposite point than what to, the, to what you just made. Yeah, well, I'm saying there's a, there's a rating quality of like, oh, they do this, they get an art, but then there's yeah. also like, what is it okay for people to see? I don't think this should be targeted towards little kids, <laughs> but if I'm- It's a, just an appropriate age. Yeah, if I'm a younger age. kid, I reckon I could see this at 10, 11, and it would be fine, even like an 8 to a 13 age range, and I think it would be fine. I reckon like 14 to 16. That's more appropriate for sure. That's well, that what is the, the question, question is. Yeah, but what is an appropriate age not, to watch this film? There's two different types of appropriate. I okay, think. we're splitting yeah. appropriate into two separate categories yep. now. Yep, I'm splitting hairs. Okay, there's culturally appropriate, like there's like societally appropriate, and what I personally think is appropriate. Okay. I think in order to know what the difference between okay behavior and stuff and the things that happen in this movie that are definitely not okay, and we're not talking necessarily about people at the time the movie was released so much as who would, would let watch it now, I think a little bit older and you get past all the things that are culturally inappropriate and, and sexist and all the rest of it mm. because you're old enough to understand this is a movie from the 90s, they did things wrong. I don't think the action is wacky enough for little kids to necessarily get into it. I'd agree. Okay. I was nine. That's I not think surprising. That's fine. I think that's fine. I think I would have enjoyed this at that age. I mean, Brendan Lee. Yeah. But also, like, at that age, you're moving past shit quick. But like I said, there was also stuff about it that freaked me out. Yeah, which I think, as I've said before, is good. Yeah, okay. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Yes. 100%. Fuck yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a revisit movie for sure. It's got I, mad rewatch value. I unfortunately was only able to watch this once, but I know this movie really well. So, yeah. But I really wanted to watch it in HD and I didn't get around to it. So I'm probably just going to watch it in HD yeah, in the next fair. week anyway, just for my own entertainment. Yay. A rating for this movie, the way that we rate movies, is on a five-star scale, with one being I hated this movie, two being I didn't like this movie, two and a half being I liked parts of this movie, it was fine, three being I liked this movie, four being I loved this movie, five being this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Solid 3.5 for me, because I didn't love it, but like, I liked it a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Getting a lower rating than other movies, I think, potentially, because this is a quality film you know what i mean like this isn't this doesn't have issues that other films i think that we've watched before where this is like a actual movie film <laughs> if that makes sense holy shit i can't believe i just said that and so that's why you're giving it a lower rating because yeah yeah because it's better well i think i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm rating i'm rating it no, no no i'm rating it on a scale because like 
Future Cop 2. I mean, we all rate on a scale, Brody. That's why there's a scale. <laughs> Future Cop 2 got rated on a scale of like, that was just fucking balls to the wall silliness and I loved it. This is a movie that like I can give a serious rating to and it's like, I really like this film, but it wasn't a silly, crazy movie that I'm loving, even though yeah. it's it's I terrible. Understand, I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. What you're trying to say is that you really appreciate and often love things that are just wild. Yeah. And the filmmaking in that aspect doesn't even really matter because exactly. it's about how crazy the choices in the movie exactly. are. Exactly. That's and it. So you rate a movie like this much more like watching a regular movie because it doesn't have as many out there future copy style choices. Yep. So I understand. I understand. That. Yeah. That 100 percent. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to give this a four because it's got Brandon Lee in it. <laughs> yeah. I love Brandon Lee movies. Smart choice. So when we did rapid fire, I think I did rapid fire a 4.5. Really? Right. I didn't, I don't think I rated it as one of my favorite movies. And the reason that I did that was because I said to you on that podcast, but there was a Brendan Lee movie I liked more. Wow. That's going to be this one. And it was going to be this one. And Except, is there a butt coming? Yeah, there is a butt coming. There's Dolph Lundgren's butt coming. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. Except because we've seen these movies relatively closer together. Yeah. Right. Probably closer together than I've rewatched them in a long, in a long time. Right? Do you like rapid fire more? I actually like rapid fire. So do more. I, I, I think whatever my rating was, which I think I would have given it a little bit lower. Cause again, it's a real movie. I think this would push my rating for rapid fire up. Yeah. I, th- I think you gave rapid fire a high. I think a high you gave did I? High yeah. It was a good film. <laughs> and the reason is, is because I think the fights are better. In, oh, in rapid for sure. Fire. And I really love the relationship between Dolph and, and Brandon. It's great. But I think functionally as a movie, I actually enjoyed Rapid Fire more. So my rating for this movie is four. Yeah. I love okay. this movie. I liked it because it had Brandon Lee in it. Great fucking reason. <laughs> Real quote or soundboard, we'll never know. I love Brandon Lee. <laughs> I'm Kira, here. I Kira made left, it. Kira left hours ago. <laughs> I made it through the podcast. Next week, the way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns, speaking from three choices I have prepared from the store. This week is, in fact, Kira's pick, and it's her birthday. Yay. <laughs> that is well timed. Birthday pick. If a movie remains unpicked for three times, it's struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date. Showdown Little Tokyo was our first reject that was brought back and then picked. Still on the list from last week are. Sam Raimi's Dark Man with two strikes. I was definitely expecting uh, some sort of twist where he goes, "We're not doing any of these films because yeah. <laughs> it's a birthday." It's your birthday. No, no, I just, I just. Nope, movies are still on the list. I had a vibe. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to say that the third pick is gonna have to be a fucking strong choice game. Are they not always strong choices, Brody? Yeah, they always put in a curveball with one strike. Guy of a Dark Hero. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And Brody can actually look at the case in person this week. Oh, yeah. Yes. Gavu, Dark Hero. Fuck, okay. it just looks so good. Cool, cool, cool. What's my third choice? What's my third choice? Well, it is the spooky season. Ooh, Yay. You motherfuck. It is the most wonderful time of the year for me. <laughs> It's Christmas for weirdos. You know, you're- It is almost Halloween. And I get into <laughs> Halloween so that he gets into Ke- Christmas. <laughs> for Kira. You know, your love of Halloween has 
infected me and I like I used to fucking hate how like oh it's so American blah, 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 blah. fuck that I love Halloween Halloween's well, the greatest well for starters it's not American yeah but it's you, much more ancient than the that. over commercialization I used to take myself so fucking serious as you know from playing D&D with me Halloween mm. is much more ancient than that it is and that's why I selected Halloween 3 oh, season of the witch you're an asshole you stacked the deck. Oh my god! The Halloween I movie. Force Ellie to watch this with me. The Halloween movie that does not have Michael Myers in it. It's the night no one came home. Oh, uh, uh, have you seen this? No, I haven't. No, he hasn't. We talked about it on Tales from the Crypt episode. We know it well because of D and D, but I've yeah. I've never seen. So it. to explain, if you didn't haven't listened to that episode or you don't know, a couple of Halloweens ago. I created a one-shot D&D campaign mm. that acts as a sequel to Halloween 3. Yeah. Because Halloween 3 is the outlier that never got a sequel because Halloween 4 returns Michael Myers. I'll to tell you what deserves a sequel. <laughs> that D&D, D&D game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best trailer voice, Brody. <clears throat> Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. All I can tell from the back is there is definitely a shot where someone's head gets transformed into a pumpkin. Well, to no one's surprise, we're going to be watching Halloween 3, Season oh, of the Witch. You fucker, <laughs> man. Do you know we just lost Dark Man? Did we? Yeah. Every time every time we set up a deal, I hold up my hand. And that is you not always, true. That is so true. That is not true. Name one time. Roller boys. Roller boys. We didn't have a deal. <laughs> Uh, no, I can't go past that. And it's Halloween. We have to watch a Halloween movie well, for we Halloween. Can, we can choose the next Fuck one it. now because so I know what I'm picking. Now, if th- you even get a choice, you might just put three <laughs> Halloween movies in front of you next I one. mean, this is this is kind of like spoilers for next episode. But and as you guys already know, this is a movie that was reviled for years because people expect to see a Michael Myers yeah. movie. And Michael Myers is not in the movie. It has had a, a kind of cultural re- reappraisal over the past few years. But... It's also a Halloween 3 choice to pick Halloween 3 as the first Halloween movie we watch. <laughs> that is a fucking funny choice. Yeah. So this is going to be a good time. And also, I fucking love this movie. I'm excited. Uh, I am time. excited. I'm disappointed about Dark Man, but I am excited about Halloween. I don't know why I do this to myself. I'm disappointed about Dark Man too. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Don't like, don't subscribe, stay off the internet. Definitely. But, yeah, do those things. Definitely burn the book. Follow us at Weird Kid Video. Do all those things, and we will uh, see you next week. And also, <laughs> the look on Gaius' This time face. I heard you coming. Scene. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. She loves Brandon Lee. I do love Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee's great in this. Brandon Lee's fighting skills are way better than everybody else's. I love Brandon Lee movies.